Material Components. Episode 63, The Deep Lore. Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play RPG show all about intelligent items and the adventurers who love them. I am your humble dungeon master, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, are my stalwart adventurers. Hey, adventurers, how you doing? I have returned. <laughs> who, who's She's back? back? Welcome back. I, I don't. Who are we? Ta- who is this person? The planes were vast, but I have returned. <laughs> um. <laughs> And uh, I that was the best part of the recording of last week was you guys being like, who starts? I don't know who starts because it's me. <laughs> I start. And I'm Olivia and I'm playing Tears of Cloakbearer, Child of the Outer Storm. I'm Elliot and I'm playing Cherish Iron Strikes, Tiefling Sorcerer. I'm back, baby. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Michael Lisman and I'm playing Sid Emberlight, half-elf rogue. And I'm Reed and I'll be playing Grawl, the Hobgoblin Warlock. Indeed. And now that the gang is all back together again, I would like to ask you all the thing I ask at the beginning of every session, and that is, do you all remember what happened last time? We failed to solve a way. Not that time, the time before that. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, that was before that, technically speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Will not Witchfinder and his... Oh, wait, you haven't listened... I won't spoil that for a little bit. Yeah, listen to the whole episode yet. Yeah, Um, very good. Very good. So we went shopping uh, yeah. without Sid. He mm-hmm. did some brooding, mm-hmm. as he is wont to do. And our good, good friend Omatep, Duskwalker, is friends with our good, good friend slash the guy we follow around, uh, Darren Dunn. I don't know. Or who friend. follows us around? Friend is a word. <laughs> one way or friend the other. Friend is a word. <laughs> Not sure if it's the correct one. Mm. <laughs> Workplace associate. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if that's the correct uh, terminology so. there. Oh, yeah. uh, thief uh, and victim? Traveling companion. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And if it wasn't painfully obvious by now, the thief in question was, of course, Omatep Duskwalker. I yes. guess apparently in his more rascally youth... If he could, in fact, be more rascally, uh, Omatep did a plunder a dragon's lair, and that dragon happened to be one Darren Dunn, or as he has also been called at this point, Dessel Darren Dunn, dragon of formerly Toral. I feel like Omatep could have stolen that stuff like last week, I, and I wouldn't really <laughs> even be surprised. Yeah. Like, wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more about how hilarious the concept of like running into a thief in your partner's house and being like yeah he deserves this like just how good that is what a chill reaction (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes apparently the the golden dragon valmarad race who is maybe cherish's mom all signs point to yes but uh as of right now that is still a bit of an open question Uh, found Omatep in his thieving and let that thief and his monkey companion go along their merry way 
with a whole bunch of money that belonged to one Darren Dunn. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Darren Dunn was a Possession little... Possession is nine-tenths of ownership in the law. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, upon having their face-to-face, Darren Dunn and Omatep uh, had a bit of a heated exchange. That you all managed to uh, diffuse, thankfully. You're welcome. <laughs> cool. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That wasn't directed at me. <laughs> By lying. Which I did, again, later. Yeah. And also, by bluntly telling the truth, and maybe sort of revealing the whole Darren Dunn is a dragon thing. On accident there yeah kind of outing darren Mm. done there a little bit a little bit yeah your new riftkeeper companions were seemingly unaware of the fact that their uh drunken companion was in fact a dragon uh except um etsuko no uh oh uh kanaeus kanaeus yeah kanaeus had sort of put it together at that point yeah but did etsuko say oh that makes sense was that me? Did I say that? I think I said that when I found out. <laughs> uh, later, Etsuko would say that she was perhaps uh, put off by Darren Dunn by his draconic essence, uh, though that was perhaps a right. little bit of uh, backpedaling and saving face on her part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, after a successful shopping trip in which you all uh, really didn't buy much in the way of supplies... Uh, but but did get some crucial information about the termination of devils and uh, the process therein. Yeah. As well as the best practices when it came to fulfilling bargains with Archfey. Yep. Hooray. <laughs> Single thumbs up from Reed. <laughs> and uh, we all... After getting regular supplies, we all reconvened at the Queen's Servant. Um, Sid, having done some inner uh, self-searching. Brooding. You can say brooding. Let's call it internal questing. Yes. (laughs) He apologized. Okay, that's what I'm trying to get at. Mm. Is this... Is this... I think it might be a campaign first, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, at least a sincere apology. I think this might right. be a campaign first. Yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, after having a good, good conversation with your magic sword, Stormpiercer, uh, wherein you were ruminating over the fact that you did not remember what you accomplished while under the sway of a fairy queen, one yeah. Mab, Queen of Air and Darkness, Lady mm-hmm. of Night and Magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, not feeling great about that. You know, like, physically he felt great, but uh, (laughs) Sid doesn't like the idea that uh, he is not aware of what he did, uh, and he did not have control over himself. Um, So, yeah. You also learned in this conversation, and I want to remind the audience, because it will help me remember, that uh, apparently Stormpiercer and Sadagar just, like, can chat 
Same with yeah. Matt. Matt, yeah. they can all just chat, and they just don't make us aware of that fact, which is cool and fine, and They're I'm not gossiping about, at all. They're just gossiping about us. It's fine. There's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. It does raise some questions about the nature of forge-bounded items. Yes. Yeah. But least of which you did not concern yourself overly with these uh, grander aspects of the world as you eventually reconvened with each other, had some very awkward, stilted conversations about whose sisters party members have to murder. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Who bed. are we talking about? Could be anyone. It's weird. Yeah. We just yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh... Yeah, it's strange. Weird. All weird things. Uh, you then had a... a, a Good night in the Queen's Servant with some arm wrestling and conversations with some rift keepers and uh, free drinks, which is apparently a thing that uh, Sid now gets at this establishment. So that's good, I guess. <laughs> Silver lining. Mm-hmm. There. Um, mm-hmm. uh, here's a didn't hate one drink. Yes. True. I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. That is true. Progress. Another that's called character growth. <laughs> mm. That's you know that no. Is? That's that's growth. that's palate growth. <laughs> um, uh, was it last time? It was last time that Finebrook tried to open a door, right? That was the Ooh. end. The very yeah. last thing is after you all went to bed, uh, Cherish stayed up long enough to see that Darren Dunn, in fact, did return, and uh, seemed to be. Attempting to straighten himself out a little bit before your jaunt into the Eastwood. Which is why I don't feel so bad for trying to manipulate him. <laughs> Just a little bit bad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's necessary. Well, apparently Maybe. it is for ancient the ends dragons. justify the means. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Vigorous um, shaking cool. of head. Mm-hmm. Vigorous. I'm glad we've all learned that same lesson. <laughs> But yes, as Grawl went to sleep that night, intent on doing some research in the Dream Archive, while you were met with failure in terms of trying to establish what it was that was stolen from the Kot Bayoun by House Adon generations ago that would require the murder of one of their youngest in the modern age, mm. you did discover a strange aperture within that dream archive and a knocking thereupon. That knock was, of course, being generated by one Phineas Finebrook, and you said, nah. Nah, thanks, we're good. We're good, <laughs> we mo- don't need the any. The most growl response, which is, nah. <laughs> oh, no thanks. Out here. Oh, no, I'm cool. I'm good. But yes, uh, once again, Phineas Finebrook, who had apparently found a way of creating a door into the Dream Archive, but a door nonetheless that required somebody from the other side to open it. Specifically, the one person who will not do that. <laughs> Just Grawl writes like tea, like fire exit. Alarm will sound on the door and then leaves. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, not 100% sure on the ramifications of those actions. Uh, Grawl again said, no thank you, I don't want any. Um, (laughs) And yeah. You're good. No solicitors. Yeah. 
$50 fee per minute. Phineas Feinberg has been denied yet again. Oh. So, Ooh. curses. <laughs> we find you all now. He's at the statue, now. right? He, you do not know, but uh, in our little cutaway, it was pretty obvious that he was in that strange, aberrant statue that you had seen beneath Stormhaven in the Underhaven. Ooh. To what end? Bad. Bad. We do not know. Yeah, it's a shame none of those things were investigated at the time. Um, nope. I looked at it. <laughs> I looked at it a little did. bit. You did. And I go, mm, not today. Bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Investigate the rooms. That takes time. But then we complain why we No, when we were fighting uh, Black Hat, but it was also uh, kind of implied that if we did investigate further, we would go fucking crazy. So, you know, true. little okay. column A, little column B. I mean, if we investigate the statue. In the but... classic tradition of Eldritch Horror, knowledge, it, it requires a price on the mind. The true knowledge requires sacrifice. Better to live in blissful ignorance <laughs> is what I say. Fair enough. But leastways, we so find you all now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we find you all know. now. Those, those folks from Miskatonic University could solve most problems with Latin spells and big guns, so... Yeah, fair enough. Where do we find us? Yeah, where do we find ourselves, Mike? Yeah. It is Sorry, the Mike. 8th of So in the Tempest Rest Valley. And you are all waking up, well-rested, uh, fully charged, ready to go. Your journey into the Eastwood starts today. Tears, I assume you are the first person awake, as is your wont. Probably. Finding your way downstairs, after your morning round of prayers and strapping on your gear and getting ready to, to greet this next leg of the journey... You find that Darren Dunn has beaten you downstairs, and that is not because he was down there all night in a pool <laughs> of his own vomit and wine. He has a spread of breakfast laid out before him at several tables that have been pushed together uh, in one corner of the common room down here. And there are plates breakfast. of eggs and bacon and toast and crispy potatoes and fried tomatoes. Mm. And basically, like, any breakfast food you can think of is on a plate somewhere down here in vast quantities. Biscuits. There's biscuits. There's gravy. There is butter. There is jam. There is uh. all sorts of things. Tirza has to stop at, like, the door, like, the at bottom of the stairs and just, like, put her hand on the wall and do the single silent, like, uh, he got us breakfast. <laughs> That's what I call character growth. Um. <laughs> Give me an insight check as you see this. Okay. It's all a ruse. <laughs> oh, first roll of the night with my brand new Ozzy Dehaka dice. <laughs> That's a nat 20. Nice. Booyah. He does love you. I know. You can see. He was just being disapproving because he cared. <laughs> you know, what we've learned. Manipulation is the best way to get people mm -hmm. to change. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does seem to work for Tirza. So, <laughs> I don't know. You can see that 
as you approach, Darren Dunn hasn't noticed you coming downstairs, and he is kind of like nervously looking over all of the plates. His arm is like twitching slightly as he's tapping out some kind of rhythm on his thigh, and you can see that the leg that he's tapping is also bouncing slightly underneath the table. So he's got like a bunch of pent-up energy or a nervous tick of some kind. And he's, like, looking over everything, and occasionally he'll reach up with uh, his other hand and grab a, a glass of water, and he'll, like, drink it. And you can see him grimace slightly when he drinks the water. Yeah. And then oh. he puts it down. Um, and occasionally you'll see him lean over and, like, move a plate slightly. Um, so that, like, for some strange mathematics of breakfast that he's worked out in his head. The plate needs to be a quarter of an inch to the left. The mathematics of breakfast are very important. Um, I will come in and I will sit down uh, across from him, but not like directly across from him, like a person space away. <laughs> so that if hypothetically someone that he was hoping would sit directly across from him came down and sat next to me, who also happens to be my best friend, it would make sense and be not awkward and weird. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It sounds like Kaza also has a vague understanding of the mechanics of breakfast, which is also my favorite indie album. Yeah. Uh -huh. Vague concepts of the mechanics of breakfast? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, okay. And as you approach, uh, Darren Dunn will look up and uh, he's got like uh, the least amount of grime you've ever seen on him. Oh, he clean. Yes. Um, I will, like, nod, but if he doesn't seem like he's wanting to make conversation, I won't. Or if he does, if he is, like, interested, I'll make pleasant, like, morning breakfast. Like, I'll say, like, good morning. I almost said Mr. Dunn. That's horrible. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Darren. <laughs> Please, my father is Mr. Dunn. <laughs> and unsure of what to expect when you say good morning, he will just begin chattering at you. Oh, good morning, uh, Tirza. Hey, hey, good morning. Um, how's it going? I, I got breakfast for everyone. Um, all this breakfast, it's you, you can ha eat as much as you want. It's important full stomach, right? The first day of an adventure as your little people need food to create energy in your bodies. That's how you mortals, and he'll just keep going unless you interject. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop him and I'll be like, yes, no, it it looks great. I'm sure that everyone's going to be thrilled. This looks wonderful. And he'll say, yeah? Yeah, it's it's really lovely. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And I'll sit down. And he'll just like nod and smile. And he's absolutely unsure of what to say next. Yep, that's fair. Oh no, the two awkward people who are bad at conversation. Um, Thankfully, the silence between the two of you is quickly broken as other members of your adventuring party begin slowly filtering downstairs. I'd like to imagine that Sid runs downstairs because breakfast smells so good. Or is there a railing? I'm going to slide down the railing. <laughs> Damn it, I was going to slide down the railing. I mean, you can both slide down the railing. 
but I will require acrobatics checks to see if you do yeah, a Yeah, which job. is why I was thinking about not doing it, because yeah. I have another kind of acrobatic thing I want to do later, so... <laughs> uh, wait, what is my acrobatics net these days? Mm. It's a uh, lot. It's something ridiculous, huh? Probably. A hundred. Oh, I rolled a two, and it's a hundred. <laughs> I got a twenty-one, thank you very much. God. You slide down the banister so good. Yeah. And actually, I think because chair stayed up so late that she's kind of like slogging down the stairs a little bit, like She's the freaking Andy Samberg character that's like Kevin, the teenager who just woke up. <laughs> uh, and But like she gets to the bottom of the stairs and she looks at the table and is like, <sighs> breakfast. And probably like starts scarfing down food. I think before Cherish sits down, Sid takes the seat that um, uh, Tirza intended for Cherish. <laughs> Just because that's the closest seat to sit down and start eating. That's mm -hmm. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think Tirza like like cuts eyes to be like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? And then realizes he doesn't get it and then is like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll, uh, I'll have other manipulations <laughs> later. And Etzigo, Canaeus, and Arbadon all make their way downstairs as well. Uh, in quick fashion. Etsuko is definitely the first. Uh, Arbidon is definitely the last. Um, and anyone with a passive perception higher than 15 uh, can see him and that bear folk who he clearly <laughs> took to bed last night uh, having a brief conversation at the top of the stairs. Uh, and you see uh, the two of them basically just being like, yeah, it was fun. Have a good time. Don't die in the woods. <laughs> I wish I was a different character so I could yeah. be like, High five, buddy. <laughs> Pretty much. <sighs> and yeah, all of the other Rift Keepers tuck in. Uh, Arbidon's just like piling on eggs and bacon and sausage and as much gravy as he can get his hands on. Canaeus uh, is apparently a vegetarian. Uh, he's eating mostly uh, potatoes and uh, tomatoes, and there's like a fruit salad. Yummy, yummy. And Etsuko is uh, looking around and she is eating some hard-boiled eggs. But yeah, other than that, breakfast oh. is delicious. Sounds delicious. I, I could really go for go some breakfast camp. food right now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking about going Aren't to camp. Eight. Like, I'm thinking about camp 18, and I'm like, oh, I need to go to the ghost. <laughs> so, breakfast maybe lasts 40 minutes as you all tuck in. Uh, Arbidon definitely warns, don't get too crazy full because you've got a full day of walking ahead of you. Mm? <laughs> oh, see, I thought he was going to say, don't get too close to me while I'm eating. You might lose a finger. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Cherish is like, yeah, sure. A full day of walking. <laughs> about that. As you are all uh, getting ready to leave, are there any last minute preparations you need to do? See. Did I do anything with my horse? You did not. You, you did not make a final no, decision on that. Nope. 
Yeah. No. I've got I've got to go sell Aiden. Yeah, the, your options were either to sell him and gain 38 gold, or you were also mulling over the decision to spend some gold to have him shipped back to Stormhaven and then put into a long-term uh, pen of some kind. That's no life for a horse. It's up to you. I've got to sell him. He's going to find a good life. He deserves to roam free. <laughs> and by free, I mean... What do you mean, Reed? What do you mean? Oh he no, froze. he's frozen. Glue factory. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Am I still frozen? No, you're no, no. Oh, y'all all worked uh, just fine for me the entire you, time. Oh, so you heard what is really happening to your horse. Glue <laughs> factory? Yes. Jeffy would not approve. <laughs> I don't approve. Jeffy um, doesn't have to know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, he's going to uh, enjoy oh, the ownership no. of someone else. Uh, okay, who, so you you sell off your horse then? Yes, I'm going to sell Aiden. Okay. 38 gold, you say? 38 gold for you. So bittersweet. Yeah, I think I, I do the same. Okay, so your first stop then is the stables to sell off your horses and reacquire your giant shield guardian. Okay. I think while everyone is is doing that, I will like send out little a little like telepathic like, "Hey, we're getting ready to go." Carrie. And she'll just like come wander here? back towards you out of mm -hmm. the middle distance. Awesome. As she does. My beautiful enigmatic friend. <laughs> cool. Um, the rest of your team will meet you up in the, the center little uh, patch of grass in front of the stables where you found Hank Montgomery just a couple days ago. And from there, the road leads, as it is, eastward into the Eastwood. I very proudly present the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery uh, when everyone arrives. Uh, Darren Dunn is definitely already waiting for you all there when you exit the stables. Uh, everyone else is beginning to filter in. You see that Arbanon is coming from the north side of town. Apparently he had some last minute bark watch business to take care of. Etsuko is coming towards you, though she is clearly like really, really self-conscious about being out in public. She keeps giving glances to the left and to the right, and every time somebody is eyeballing her from across the street, she seems to be actively aware of that fact. I was going to ask, how common is that, that people are, like, giving her the evil eye? They're not the or evil like, eye, but... Or, you know, like, she... what the fuck, fuck? Just some glances. She... Yeah. Onis are exceedingly uncommon. Mm -hmm. uh, effectively, they are ogre tieflings. And so, while tieflings are also very uncommon, a an ogre tiefling is that to the nth degree. The fact that they are a tiefling that is also two feet higher, just up out of a crowd than anybody else, means that they stick out. Yeah. So while she's not getting, like, evil, like, glances, she is getting people going, what on earth? As she's walking through crowds. 
and she just yeah. seems to be very self-conscious about it. That's He's a head turner. fucked up. I will I will ride next to her. Um I mean like I I'm not as I'm probably still not as tall as she is on mount mounted back, but if you're mounted on your celestial reindeer, I'd say you're about the same height actually. Cool. Okay. Well, then here, look another weird thing for people to look at. <laughs> if there's one thing that <laughs> Tears is good at, it's pulling attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> uh, you see that Etsuko and Kaneas are both equipped with like big traveling packs, very similar to all of yours. And as Arbidon comes back in from the north of town, you see that he is not. He has his bandolier, it has some stuff on it, and that's it. Starkwash, baby. He has like a, a small roll of some kind at the small of his back that you know is a, a bundle that consists of a hammock that he can tie up between trees and maybe some odd tools that he happens to carry that don't fit onto his bandolier. Did he say he was going to get hammocks for people who wanted them? If Am I misremembering that? That is correct. So if anybody wanted a hammock, let me know and we can yeah. retroactively say that you got one. Yeah. I, I got one. I, I got one. I think I want, I want, I want one. one. Just to let you know, um, the hammock I... means that you're not sleeping in your tents. That's what fine. Is, I'm in a hammock. The difference between that? It just means you're going to be exposed and outdoors. And you're less grouped up when you sleep at night. So I leave that decision to you. But it's cooler. But it's cooler. The the, the, the fact of the matter is you're going to have your tent and bedrolls with you regardless, unless you wanted to throw them away right now, which is an option. No, no, no. (laughs) I I go to the nearest hammock just because. I I pull our our bedrolls and tent cherish out of the bag of holding and I throw them into the street. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing. You've got your bag of holding that is not particularly full. So yeah. Yeah, weight sir. isn't necessarily an issue, so you can all have hammocks as well and yeah. judge it when Let's you go it. to bed at night. Nice. Riverboat camping Good trip. Call. Okay. So, you know that you're... Wait, I want to do my thing. What's your thing? I'm going to vault up onto Hank Montgomery's shoulders before we leave. Right. How's that go? We'll find out. <laughs> oh, this is the acrobatics check. Yeah. Oh, got it. I yell like, Hank, take a knee. And then I like get a running leap to get up on his shoulders. You're going to trip and chip Stupid. a tooth or a horn. Stupid and bad. <laughs> hey, I approve hey, so much of this. Hey, that's, this a, is... that's a 17. Ooh, <laughs> nice. So it's not as graceful as you want it to be. But it is definitely a, a quick leap and a, a straddle of the low, blocky head of the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery. Um, again, to describe the Shield Guardian, it is this huge, wide, humanoid form with shorter-than-average legs, a, a massive torso that is almost rhombus in shape, with massive arms coming out of it, uh, the ligatures that make up its joints are made of this strange fusion of corded metal and wood 
and there is a central panel that glows with a low scarlet light that you know can open up and reveal a gemstone that can store a spell in there, which I believe has the fly spell loaded into it at the moment. Currently, it does, yes. Yeah. yeah. What does it take to replace that spell? You just I just have, have to, to cast another there. one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. Yeah, and the spell has to be fourth level or lower. Yeah. So. All right. Into the Eastwood. <laughs> there is definitely a moment when you're on the shoulders of the Shield Guardian and everyone's looking at you. Canaeus is just laughing. Say <laughs> the applauds. Well done. Well done. Very dramatic. Uh, Arbidon is giving you a wicked-looking smile that is very... You don't quite know why, but it's there's something sinister about it. <laughs> and Atsuko is looking at you, and she's more consumed with the shield guardian. She's very impressed by this automaton. Yeah. I killed a guy, and I took it. <laughs> We're just all trying to make Atsuko look normal in comparison. So. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, Darren Dunn and Etsuko are definitely very curious about where this thing came from. No idea. She Funny killed story. a guy and then took it. <laughs> it was trying to kill us. It was now trying to kill us. It was trying to whisk me away into some weird... Wait, it hadn't actually cast any spells yet. No. To, like, open any portals or anything, but, yeah. It tried to kidnap me, so I blew it up and I took the shield guardian. Well, you have now translated the the Mechanical Mage's spellbook, so you have some idea of what they were trying to accomplish based on some context clues within that spellbook. This book. is true. And did I identify the language with like having that potion? Or uh, was I just able to comprehend it? Just comprehend it. it. Was... Omatep okay. identified the language for you. You oh, described it as being, like, sort of, like, draconic, is that correct? Yeah, it's vaguely draconic, yeah. and Omatep seemed to be of the impression that it is actually just common from a different world. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. This... Which means some interesting things linguistically for the common mm -hmm. of our universe. Interesting. Okay. Like what, like what that sounds like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the universal language. English. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I'm like explaining, we're like explaining all that as we foray into the woods. Alright. You begin the trek out of Enclave. You know from here it is roughly a five-day journey to the edge of what has been dubbed the Wilding. That large bubble of strange what you're pretty sure is extra planar magics that is causing things in the east eastwood to get wild and crazy and primal it is from there that other things savage things within the eastwood are also being driven farther and farther west this is a problem yeah it is known Arbidon is definitely giving pointers for the hike through the Eastwood as you are all beginning this trek through the eastern section of Enclave. 
As I've described, Enclave, it's really difficult to tell where the city stops and the forest begins. So as you're moving the first little bit of this, you're still seeing remnants of the city as you're moving presumably out of it. But every once in a while, when you think, just when you think you've left the borders of Enclave, you will see a stall of a merchant up in a tree or uh, some groups of people who have set up like a little impromptu neighborhood. It seems as though you're moving through the suburbs, for lack of a better term. Hmm. And Arbidon's tips mostly have to do with the road you're going to be following. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the winding track. It is a path that moves between Enclave and Fairames here. It is more predictable the closer you are to either of the two cities. But once you're out in the Eastwood proper, it tends to shift unexpectedly. Does he know why that is? Or is there like a common theory about if it's just like related to the fey magic in the Eastwood? Or? That's the generally accepted theory. And when you ask Arbidon okay. about it, he'll just shrug and say, fairy stuff. Cool. Mm. <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> but according to him, he is particularly, particularly adept at finding it when it moves out from underneath you. So that's a plus. It is a five-day journey from here to the edge of the Wilding. The last time people checked in on where the border of this thing was, it was roughly coterminous with the river known as the Long Drift, which winds its way through the Eastwood. It circles Cathbari in the north, just near Fair Ames here, and winds its way southward through the Spidermire and eventually finding its way to Srothheim. Uh, the river flows from south to north, so presumably when you see the river, you are really, really close to the wilding, if not maybe already in it. What um, What was the name of the river again? The Great Drift? The, the Long, Long Drift. Drift. The Long Drift, great. Thank and uh, another question, Mike, sorry, not to get too deep into like lore stuff, but oh, just establishing what, what I love. I know, I was just about to say, I know you hate talking about <laughs> lore stuff. Um, you know, all this work you did. <laughs> does Cathbari, um, do I have experience with this road or did they kind of just, were just kind of in the woods? They're just kind of in the woods. And honestly, most of the travel that the Jarashir did to and from Cathbari involved the river. Yeah, okay. There's a strong Lock Warden and Barkwatch presence in and around Cathbari. They're not necessarily part of the community, per se, but there would be a lot of interactions with those two Guardian guilds. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they, when they were doing their, like, dire, uh, dire hunting, they, they just were kind of like, oh, we just go where there's dire stuff and kill it. Basically. Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. I mean, there are, like, tracks and paths in and around Cathbari, but there's no real established roads, per se. And do the, those don't move the same way that this road does? Not necessarily. Though, again, okay. the <laughs> modus operandi with the Jarashir is, if there is something from outside of the material plane, best case scenario, banish it. Worst case scenario, kill it. Yeah, what the, <laughs> like, hey, we don't go down the roads that move, because that's some nonsense. <laughs> Banish the road. Or you make damn sure those roads don't move and they better know better. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Just a, a team of jars here just like looking sternly at a road. <laughs> no, they're just standing there just punching the road. <laughs> Roadwatch. They're gonna they're gonna <laughs> nail it down. Yeah. Shamar on the wires didn't raise no fools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the big question though is what kind of pace are you setting? Yes. That doesn't answer my question, Reed, and you know it. I know. Quick. There's so many of us. We're going to be fine. Probably. Um, is, Ar- is Arbidon leading? Arbidon will lead, uh, but he is definitely looking to the group to raise a, an eyebrow about what kind of pace you want to set. Arbidon by himself could move through here at a blistering pace because he's not having to worry about all of worry you. Worry about the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery slow us down? I just totally mangled his name. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Call him Hank for short. Um, his speed is thirty feet. Okay. Oh, same as Arson. Yeah. For now, no. Okay. I hate the way he says that. <laughs> we, might, we might need to run later, so <laughs> we also might need to like go through tiny little like areas or heavily like forested. Forested. Don't like, speak to mm. me or my son ever again. <laughs> and again, for um, size reasons, the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery is a large creature. Uh, this thing is as tall as Etsuko, if not a little bit taller, and it uh, is twice as broad as anybody in the party, including Arbidon. Damn. We have long-forgotten Hank Montgomery walk in front of us and create a tunnel <laughs> to the foliage. <laughs> Ooh, that's Thus not easing our passage. <laughs> And it quickly becomes clear once you're getting out of the city proper, you've moved for a couple of hours now, why Arbidon was smiling so broadly at Cherish when she mounted the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery. And that is low-hanging branches. Oh, my horns. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm sitting like this. For our audio listeners, crouching. Just, like scrunched up. No, no, no. No, what we got to do is fashion one of those chest ki- chest front po- baby carriers. Papoose. <gasps> papoose yeah. Me. Oh my god, a papoose. <laughs> so yes, cherish but the cherish. the problem you're running into very very quickly once you get out onto a, a skinnier portion of the road is that the the branches of the Eastwood are not as tame as they are near the borders. Once you've been traveling for a few hours, probably a little bit past noon, branches begin, like, sweeping down at you. There, the rough bark and pine needles definitely, like, start becoming abrasive. And while they're not an impediment to the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery's upper torso and head, your Mm. fleshy, fleshy face and eyeballs... (laughs) If you want to try to, like, weather the storm, you may. No, I'll get (laughs) down... Um, question. Argon, so... you could have said something. <laughs> no, this was funnier. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, like, ecology-wise and, like, like foliage-wise, like, what kind of trees are we dealing with here? I'm just trying to paint myself a We mind. got conifers? Yeah, we got conifers. We, we got, got conifers. Sort of there is a great many uh, pine trees on this uh, chunk of the woods. You also see that here and there, the area will be dotted with these enormous oaks that seem to be green regardless of the time of year. 
Uh, the forest here is vibrant, and it is full of all sorts of trees. Occasionally you'll see a little copse of birch, spots of white off in the distance. The undergrowth here, as you move into the thicker parts of the wood, is almost non-existent. Because the amount of sunlight that gets down through the canopy is yeah. very minimal. How dark is it? It's just very well shaded. Um, yeah. It's not like encroaching darkness or anything, but it is just, yeah. Ferns and other small plants day, have of. a very hard time surviving underneath these huge trees. <laughs> no one really casts a shadow down here, right? Not necessarily. Not sunlight. I yeah. mean, you'll have shadows here and there. It's like walking in a forested park where... I mean, there's lots of trees atop you, so there'll be beams of sunlight coming down here and there. There's plenty of dramatic god rays off in the distance. Um, didn't you say uh, uh, this may have been several episodes ago, but wasn't it something along the lines of there's something weird about this forest, about there being different patches of trees that you wouldn't ever find growing next to each other? That is also what it's I was just getting at. weird, is a hodgepodge. Occasionally yeah. you'll see trees that you don't expect, like a willow or something, just randomly in this forest. And there will be little patches of trees that are completely out of place here. You're telling me the forest is magic. I am telling you that, in fact. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. Even the trees are cramped in this valley together. <laughs> As you are walking, like I said, until probably around noon, you slowly begin to understand what Arbadon was talking about, about this path moving. You're fairly certain you'll be walking down the center of this road, and it's a wide enough road. It seems to be wide enough to accommodate a couple of carts go passing each other. But you think you'd be walking down the center of it, down a straight section of the road. And then maybe a few minutes later, you'll look down and you'll see that you're near the right edge of the road. And you don't remember, like, listing to the right. You don't remember turning at any point, but somehow the road is just moving beneath your feet. And you'll readjust and you'll keep walking and it's not a big deal. It's just a little disorienting. Weird. Uh -huh. And as you're moving, I need everyone to give me a perception check. Excellent. Uh, did we establish that we're going at a normal pace? We didn't say anything, but, you know. I assume normal pace simply because the shield guardian has a set speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. He doesn't have a turtle or a hair setting <laughs> on the side. Stay away. Keep your fingers away from the blades. He's a deer brand uh, shield guardian. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> 22 for Sid. Nice. Uh, I got a 13. Um, can I? No, I can't roll for the Shield Guardian. No. No. 10. Um, Grawl got a 9. Okay. Grawl, roll me a d12. <sighs> what this is going to do is... Hey, nonsense. <laughs> Whoever rolls the lowest on these perception checks throughout the day and throughout the night are going to be rolling on my random encounters tables, which is what is going to determine the things you're going to run into along your way in the Eastwood. I have Yay! over 20 encounters worked up, oh my God. and we will see which ones you run into over oh the course boy. of this next five Type days. Stuff. I have a day we... table and a night table. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, is there a table for each 
person who is the lowest rose rolls the lowest. Nope. Okay. You're all evenly screwed. Okay. Guys, get uh, on my level. <laughs> y'all, y'all want to test out those tables really quick? Well, we have to. Yeah, because Reed, yeah. you're rolling a d12. Yeah. No, I did. It's a one. Cool. Excellent. It's not necessarily. I a don't good think they're ranked. Thing. Yeah, they're random encounters. I know. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is before he just like explained the tables thing. I rolled it, and me being like, "Oh, it's a sanity die kind of thing." Oh, I'm like, yeah. Oh, a one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bad. That would be really bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, cool. Encounters. I problems I Hilar- hilarious if we had to start rolling sanity dice within the forest just like yeah don't, don't be in here don't say that don't say that so mm-hmm. crawl oh yes you are a resourceful individual you have long since learned the ins and outs of surviving on your own finding uh, any resource you can uh, can be useful and a Good survivor knows when to stop and smell the flowers if those flowers are edible. Uh Uh-huh. They are very pretty. I do like flowers. Just to the right of the road, you find yourself in another weird listing section where you found yourself near the edge of the road. You will look off and in the undergrowth beneath some... uh, bit more spaced out pine trees where they've got a little bit more light is coming down. You see a broad patch of wild onions. Uh, onions. Wild. Uh, like a, a big patch of growing wild onions. They're beautiful. Um, all right. Um, Check out the onions, y'all. Do I, I don't like list. Do I do I go over to them? Is what you're saying, or I've just you've you've found your feet at the edge of this patch, oh. and there is one just in front of you that is like one of the largest onions you've ever seen. Like the if the top of it is to be believed, this thing is probably as big as your fist, if not bigger. Right. Um. Abaddon, big onion. Mm. And Arbadon, no touch. kind of like wandered up and uh, is going to glance down at the onion um, and say, uh, Wood onions are pretty good eating if you find the right ones. Uh, you think it's good? Give it a look and glance around and uh, he will say, Yeah, could for make for good eating. I mean, look, that's how I'm going to survive. Right. You've muted yourself, Reed. What? You muted yourself. There we go. And we're back. Mm, my mic disconnected. Yeah, computer. Fantastic. Uh, Abaddon, on three. You pull it out. Okay. Okay. Okay, just help, help me with this. Okay. You, you need help with that onion? I don't know. What if it's not an onion and it bites me? I want you to smash it. I mean... Okay, and he'll pull out his great axe. That's fantastic. I'm just being what? prepared. It's magic bullshit. I'm on edge. There's a cop bayoon in this woods, and it's bad. <laughs> Anyways, okay. And one, two, three. And I yank out the big onion. 
and a small creature the size of a halfling is pulled up from yep. the ground. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Dragging it out, you see that it has a, uh, a long green sword strapped to its back. It has these weird Ooh. vegetative clothings with little, like, wristbands made of leaves and a, uh, a little strap on its back that looks to be a sheath for the sword. And when you pull it up, it'll, like, start blinking wildly and start thrashing as you've clearly grabbed it by the head. That's a mandrake. Uh, and it looks like a little onion folk, for lack of a better term. Um, I love it. I love it. Its head looks like an onion with a like, little green sprout coming out of the top, and its body has got that fibrous onion texture to it. Oh. Uh, hello? Let go of me! Let go of me! Let go of me! And it'll pull out its sword and stab you. Alright. Out. How big is this sword? Is it like a, like a butter knife size? or like It's... Uh, I would say it's probably about the size of like a long like chef's knife. Okay. Uh, and it's going to cut at you for 19 to hit. <laughs> Fucking onions, man. You know, I would help, this killed is... by an onion. None of this needed to happen. And it's going I... to slash at you for 8 slashing damage. Fantastic. Got him. Never eating another vegetable again. Grawl, put the onion down. I'm trying to put him down. He keeps stabbing me. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Fantastic. Ooh. Fucking poison onion bullshit. Uh, good shit. Uh, okay, 13. 13 is exactly what you needed. Uh, as soon as this onion boy starts struggling, there's this intense smell that begins rising from the onion. And you can feel your eyes beginning to water and you start blinking. And if you hadn't done a little better, you might have been blinded by this intense onion aroma coming out of this onion folk. Whoa. 20 minutes into our adventure, Grawl gets blinded by a little onion man. And that's, that's his dad. <laughs> Heading back home, y'all. Grawl, what do you do? Uh, I'm going to just drop him and just kind of like, you know, like put hands up and back away. Give me a persuasion check. Uh, 18 plus 422. Okay. The Onion folk will like point its sword at you. It's little green, tiny little eyes on its head, and it's got this tiny little slit in the onion for a mouth, and it will slowly back away from you. Keeping its sword drawn and pointed at you, and as it's moving backward, it's beginning to kick other onions in this patch, and you can see more of these onion folk kind of just like rustling and coming up out of the dirt and like looking around, and it'll chatter something in a language you don't understand down at these onion folk. Does anyone God speak Sylvan? I think, does, Sid, don't you speak Sylvan? I speak Elvish. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's vaguely Elvish, but it's not quite. Yeah, no. Does one of our companions speak Sylvan? Huh? Uh, <laughs> Canaeus. Canaeus is just looking at all of this with the biggest fucking grin on his face. Yeah. I mean, me too, but... <laughs> Uh, Etsuko will rush forward and say something in their chattering language. Okay. And she will, like, 
raise a hand and start talking to them, and then you see that she transforms and looks like the largest onion person you've ever seen. Somehow even cuter than she normally is. It's (laughs) vaguely reminiscent of those giant radish spirits from Spirited Away, but an onion. And the onion folk who are rousing from their rest, and you can see now that there's about 15 of them that have popped out of the ground here and are beginning to look around. Some of them have tiny little short bows that seem to be ended with uh, sharpened stems of roses uh, that are fletch- rose petals fletching their bows uh, and arrows. What you're saying is they're so adorable. Cute. Oh, they're adorable, but they also look oh, hell yeah. very, very effective and deadly. Yep, death from the ankles down. And Onion Etsuko will onion. say something else in their chattering language. And the onion folk will all glance around at each other and then begin to nod and their chieftain will stride forward. And you see it's a an onion who's had like a strip peeled down off of the onion to look like almost a scar across <laughs> yes. their face. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> say something in its chattering tongue and Etsuko Onion will say something back and then they will bow respectfully to one another. And the chieftain of the onion tribe will... Uh, wave a hand and the rest of the onion folk will fall into line and they will begin trooping off into the woods. Uh, That was amazing. Cherish waves at the little onion people. (laughs) What language was that? And Etsuko will transform back into her oni form and she will say, that was Sylvan they were speaking. Oh. What spell was that? Uh, it was not a spell. That is... You can just <laughs> do that? So can I. Oh, I, just up, have to have a, I just have to have a bucket head. Okay, well, yeah, you, so you can't just do it. We had to pay 600 gold to do it. It's basically the same thing. Not even sort of. Not even it's, sort of. It's very similar. Put I the try hat on and, and, put the hat I on try, and try to be an onion person. I try to turn into an onion person. And you can turn into an onion person. But you still have... But you are still wearing a bucket hat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really? Y'all jealous? <laughs> no. no. Not, <laughs> not even sort of. <laughs> I bet I look real cool. <laughs> they didn't even need the, the, the costume to smell like an onion. Weird. Yes, it is something my people are capable of. Is shape shifting is a, an ability we possess. That's very that's cool. incredible. Well, all folk with infernal heritage have their own powers associated with their lineage. Oh, she has fire magic like 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 crazy. Like a lot. Ah, yes, that is one of the more common ones. But yep. my heritage allows me to take the shape of anything I choose. Though it can be taxing at times. Cool. And cool. Arbadon will pat Etsuko on the back and say, oh, good job. Those alomites can be a little uh, stinky if you walk on them too hard. 
We're all fuming in the background. I don't want to know if he knew what it was. To be not. fair, they're very hard to tell apart between them and onions until they're already stabbing you. So apologies, Grawl. No, no, it's fine. I didn't. I, I don't like feeling my best when I travel. Anyways, it's just it's you. Not you took damage, right? Yeah. Oh, I will lay on hands you for the cool. the full amount, whatever it is. Let Eight. me know. I can't remember. I think Eight. it was eight full yeah. damage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Arbidon will go on to explain that the the onion folk, the Alumites, as they are called, are a uh, a people that exist here in the Eastwood. Um, they are not technically a Fey folk, but they may or may not have migrated over from the Fey Wild. Are are they all onions, or are they different root vegetables as well? No, the the Alamites specifically are all onion folk. Uh, they're uh, not too big on trading, but they stick to the uh, the borders of civilization. They, uh, you know, trade here and there. Uh, sometimes they try to sell their dead off as onions. It's kind of weird. What do Alamites eat? Uh, Meat. Mostly, yeah, like squirrels, raccoons, things uh -huh. like that. Huh. That's strange. People, if they cross them. Well, good thing we didn't do that, right, Grawl? Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, funny. Funny, funny. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't... I... I rolled a 12 to see if I have, had ever come across them before, so that's probably no. <laughs> um, You've definitely heard that there are, like, plant folk out here in the Eastwood. Mm. Uh, they always wildly avoided the uh the Jarashir. That's fair. The, that's uh -huh. a fair a fair a, a good a good. That's good. The strange that's a good. militant cult that existed in the northern yeah. parts of the woods. You know <laughs> I just I'm I'm imagining Netta coming across and like a troop of walking onion folk and being like uh, no. Ab abs absolutely <laughs> <Nah>. not. <laughs> See, I'm imagining <laughs> that uh, Tirza may have eaten one of these things and not realized it. Because <laughs> Neto was just uh, like, mm, free onions. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> this onion is walking. It is an abomination and must be eaten. <laughs> onions don't talk. Onions do not talk. <laughs> Tirza! Tirza, look yeah, at my... this giant onion I found. <laughs> With a mouth and a tongue hanging out and everything. Don't worry about it. Yes, that is a squirrel tail hanging out of the mouth. Get like my kid punching production. hand ready for these onions. <laughs> <laughs> she does have one de designated for kid punching. Yeah. yeah Call back to episode one. Yeah. <laughs> so. You all continue through the day. Uh, is there anything you would like to accomplish as you're making your way down this first little chunk of the Eastwood on the 8th of So? Any conversations you wish to have with any of the NPCs or your Forgebound items? Uh, hmm. Or do you walk in low companionable chatter? Girl's trying to play I Spy in the back. Yeah, and Darren Dunn is definitely bringing up the rear of this crowd. 
So I Grawl guess... is trying to play I Spy with Darren Dunn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And Darren Dunn is trying his best to play along. Oh. Oof. Why is he more sad now? <laughs> with, when you say trying his best, is do you mean like he doesn't get the game or he's just very not interested? He is... We'll call him A, we'll call him B. He, I, I would say that Grawl is like not great at just like describing what he is seeing <laughs> so like when i say he's trying it's i a mean thing <laughs> i see a thing i spy oh we're free. past it it's like an object <laughs> you've been touching i spy with my great big powerful eyes <laughs> i have the best eyes also my magical. eyes yeah. <laughs> the biggest eyes you've never seen. Like the biggest before. eyes of anyone oh, in the valley. Yeah, I don't know if we need that in this podcast right now. No, we don't. <laughs> we have too many supervillains as it is. Yes. Really fast. Just quick sidebar. This morning I was in a federal building and I was like, why is his picture on the wall? And then I realized, <laughs> like, oh, because he's. <laughs> No, the no. Yep. his capital H. Our his, current president, e, who, mm. who shall not be named. Least ways. Yeah. There are no conversations you wish to have with any NPCs. I think I, think I want to talk to Arbadon about his previous trips into the Eastwood. Okay. I will. Um, I was. I was also going to ask along those same lines. So Tirza will be like listening. Yeah, we'll like, we'll like flank him on either side. Poke, poking her head up. Sorry, it. I, I cannot help but flank, so. Um. Uh, yeah, what do you want to ask? Um, how many trips have you made in the last month? And he will look down at himself and kind of search around a little bit, and then he'll lean over and look at the, the side of his abdomen and Ooh. again like a lot of his body is covered in ritual scarring that you don't quite understand the significance of but when he Ooh. glances down at there he seems to be counting something within the spirals and curves of this maze like pattern that is cut all over his body and he'll say uh, in the last month uh, three times three times okay mm. uh, when you have uh, made this trek how many of those times did you come across, like, the Dire Plague or creatures uh, affected by the Dire Plague? Uh, well, there's creatures that are affected by a Dire Plague all around us. For all we know, there's a Dire Squirrel up on the trees that we just can't see. Uh, it, it's actually kind of a big problem sometimes. Especially it's true. closer to the edges of the Eastwood. Dire raccoons and possums getting into cities and stuff. The main focus of of the entire community of Kathbari is pretty much entirely dedicated to eradicating the Eastwood of dire beings. And also abominations that wander in from other planes in other ways. Just burning down the forest. Yeah, I haven't had much... uh, I don't get out to Kathbari much. I've been out there once during my training, but um, yeah... Uh, no offense, Tirza. Your people kind of freak me out. <laughs> We're rather laissez-faire about the idea that the valley is coming to an end, so I understand. Yeah, uh, so is that, like, that's not real, right? 
<laughs> like, well, I mean, look at what's happening around us. I mean, it's it's very clear that the the valley as we know it is going to be undone, probably sometime soon, based on the rate of change that we've seen in the past few months. <laughs> I mean, but but that's what we're for. We're like we're putting we're we're going to save the day and stuff. We're heroes. Um, yeah. This time, sure. And really Arbidon will like look over at you, Sid, being like, "Is she? Is this like?" She's great at parties. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tirza will laugh because she doesn't like. She's pretty sure that Sid's making making fun of her, but she doesn't actually know. So she's just like, "Yeah." Behind you, you can also hear Canaeus uh, laughing. Goth and plate mail. And. <laughs> Arbidon will say, uh, but yeah, I've only ever run into a few like really bad dire creatures. Uh, Ooh. Had to fight Ooh. a dire mountain lion once. That sucked. Yeah. And he'll like yeah. point over at a, a uh, like a blocky scar that's underneath his left pectoral, and he'll mm -hmm. like point towards. There seems to be like he'll when he's talking about an event, he will point to a more angular section of the maze, and when he's mm -hmm. talking about like more day-to-day -day stuff, he'll point towards uh, more loopy, circular parts of the maze. Interesting. What what designates being worthy of becoming, you know, a mark? If you don't mind me asking, that might be very personal. Oh, I mean, it's kind of a... It's a minotaur cultural thing. It's, um... When you think an event has some sort of significance, and he'll uh, lean down and point to uh, kind of the, the side of his abdomen on the right side, closer towards his back, and you can see that there's some fresh cutting there that is covered by a poultice. And I'll say, and that's for, that right there, that's for today, because we're going, we're, we're coming out into this Ooh. big journey, and I'm sure I'm going to be doing something on the small of my back, because I'm kind of running out of space in the front here. Um... How do you reach back there? How does that? How does that even? Oh, happen? I mean, you go find another minotaur to help you out. Uh, it's got to be a minotaur, though. Uh, ideally, yeah. Okay. They've they've got the right tools for it, and they they know the significance. It's uh, it's. But, yeah. I mean, I've got a sword. Yeah, you it. don't. That's not how you ritually scar Sid. a person. <laughs> okay. But just just offering. So if you need if you need help, with and Stormpierce will say, "I have caused many scars." <laughs> It's true. It's and very true. Arbadon will look at you weakly and say, "Uh, I'm good, thanks." Okay, yeah, yeah, no, it's Locks like on the table. It's a, I don't know. Honestly, I've never been inside of a labyrinth, but apparently that was like a thing for our people a long, long time ago. Um, was Ooh. like the labyrinth. Uh, so it's sort of a representation of our life is moving through the labyrinth of life. What happens when you... Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, and <laughs> at the end, you get out. Yeah, yeah. So to speak. So to speak, um, yeah. <laughs> none of our companions have forge-bound items, is that correct? Uh, you That do we've not been know. able to notice. That you've been able to notice, um... It looks as though... Uh, give me a perception check. Let's see if you've picked up on what their forge-bound items are. Is that just for Tears, though? That is... I mean, if 
if anyone else wants to have looked around and tried to figure it out. Again, that's one of those things where it's like, you don't necessarily go out of your way to ask what people's Forgebound items are. Yeah. No, which is why I didn't. (laughs) But it it can become obvious if you are being observant. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I I think Sid would would probably take a look. That is a natural one. So Mm. I... I think I've figured out everybody items, and they're wrong. <laughs> Great. You are pretty sure that Arbidon's axe is his forge-bound item. Nice. Okay. I, I got a 12, so I... Um, yeah, you've... There's, like, a, a certain cultural way in which people will, like, have brief asides if they're talking to their forge-bound items. Usually, mm-hmm. if it's telepathic or emotional, you'll see somebody, like, the the general rule is like you tilt your head to the side if you're listening to your forge bound item just so people around you know what's happening it's considered right. polite um there's there's probably like tirza i mean i i narrate like tirza touches the cloak a lot when mm-hmm. she, they're talking yeah people usually have some kind of stuff like that physical sign um and you've noticed that uh etsuko and Arbadon both definitely do, but if Canaeus does it, you've never seen it. Okay. And you know for a fact that Darren Dunn does not have one. Yeah. It seems as though creatures of a significant age might not possess forge-bound items. Perhaps creatures older than 500 years. Yeah, like if if he wasn't in the valley, that would be like an established we know that forge-bound items are, like, a valley thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to ask Arbidon? Cool. Not that I can think of. Oh, I'll ask, has he ever been to Fair Aimseer in his, like, before this whole thing went down? Oh yeah, a bunch of times. Uh, used to... Oh. Part of my the whole my, I guess job, uh, is guiding people down the road. I've walked the winding track. Well, I can't even. Well, I could count, but it'd take a while. <laughs> is that because oh. you were part of the Bark Watch? Yeah. How long and... have you been a member of the Bark Watch? Uh, eight years. Until like, look at his left bicep. Uh, seven three quarters, but still. Seven three quarters. Okay. And you went as a rift keeper as well, I assume. To was there? There was like there's some like well, training be, I, thing. Yeah, I've only been a rift keeper for about four years now. Oh, uh, I was told not to mark that on my body because other minotaurs. That makes sense. That out. Yeah, uh, I still don't feel great about it, and I'm gonna try to get that sorted out later in my life. But yeah, so we're not. You could do it somewhere that's not exposed. And he'll, like, look down at his body that it's, like, just the bandolier, his, like, little battle skirt that falls just to his knees and go, that might be a little painful. It it happens, and then Tirza immediately just goes, like, pure red. I mean, just I, like, I guess uh. I could put it on my butt meat, but that feels a little disrespectful. And I don't know, the old mage might find it funny. <laughs> Then to prove that you're a rift keeper, you can just moon her. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. Also, I don't need to prove it with that, and he'll, like, reach into a pouch on his bandolier and pull out a silver pocket watch. Well, yes, of course there's that, but that's less fun. I'm sure. 
Mm. I'm, not, so, I'm not super into mooning the old mage. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. We have an odd Different relationship with Zenerva. And... We do have a weird relationship <laughs> with Zenerva. Hmm. I, I I feel like I don't, but y'all are weird. <laughs> yeah. All of us are weird with her, and Grawl's just like, nah, we're buds. I I don't know. We're all children, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except Grawl, yeah, I mean, free. yeah. yeah. Yes. Did, you, uh, did you undergo any, like... Any training as part of the Rift Keepers specifically? Oh yeah, absolutely. Spent what, what, what? Uh, six months in Fair Ames here, and that was the that was the training, and that was mostly learning how to seal up rifts. Or is there more to it than that? It's, I, it's I, a lot I, of that. I'm like fi- getting told a bunch of stuff about the, the multiverse. I don't know why I'm lowering my voice out here alone in the woods, and everybody knows so. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, never know who's listening, I guess. And he'll like glance up into the trees, and you can see that there's a, a squirrel just eating a nut, and then it'll stop and look at you both. And then go back to eating the nut. Ugh. Suspicious. <laughs> and he'll say, Yeah, yeah, spent six months in Fair Ames here. Is not, there... Did not care for the liquor. Oh, yeah? A little too fruity for me. Uh, yeah liquid bread that's my uh, drink of choice (laughs) you wouldn't happen to know if there's like a pay associated with Rift Keeper well no because like Rift Keeping is not exactly a full time gig like you do it when a Rift pops up but you're not like Rift Keeping all the time and he'll like glance over his shoulder at Etsuko and say well most of us anyway Maybe we should like think about, you know, figuring out some like a bonus system for you know how many rifts you close or something, and and take it up with the old mage, you know, like unionize. Sid, 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 Sid you know what our payment is? What that the the universe doesn't collapse into itself and we all die. That's that's what I our mean, payment is. But what I'm talking about is helping us do that. Uh, Money that helps us buy cool shit that helps us be more badass and helps us close more rifts. Do you need money, Sid? No. Maybe. (laughs) Are you offering me money? You don't have to give me money. Then I won't. Okay, and he'll keep walking. Yeah. What? No. What? What? What are you talking? <laughs> we just were just in the store the other day. We literally yesterday. I was like, anyone got any spare cash? And you were like, pay your own way, bud. You seem to have some kind of relationship with the shopkeeper and something about in-store credit. I didn't have any of that. <laughs> yeah. He works in both. He works in both. No, I'm going back to that shop eventually. And Canaeus will say, "Yeah, we sort of have to." Get jobs outside of the whole rift keeping thing. Gotcha. What do you do? Me? Outside of the. Yeah. Mm. Go from place to place, help people, organize parties. <laughs> it's very helpful. Event planner. I dig it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, there's no planning involved. It just happens. More of a spontaneous <laughs> kind of revel. Mm-hmm. It's like jazz. You just kind of feel it. 
it's more like jazz. No, nah, it was like it's jazz. It's really or... about the party you don't have. <laughs> Etsuko yep. will say, also, Sid, if you spend most of your time rift keeping, you are more likely to be exposed to a vast wealth of magical resources, magic items, strange Ooh. reagents that are found only near rifts. I gotcha. make a living by collecting rhymestone that forms naturally a around rifts at times. Oh, oh that's oh. interesting. Oh, Etsuko. <clears throat> so you know stuff about rhinestone? Yes. It is a very useful magical reagent. Yeah, um, yeah, we found, we, some waxed, we found some wacky <laughs> rhinestone. I'm going to like dig through the... Well, I don't have to dig through the bag of holding. I'll just be like... <laughs> Stick your hand in and think <laughs> about it. Stick my hand in and be like, I need that rhinestone. <laughs> And you pull and I'll, out the show... the jar of rhinestone you found among Phineas Finebrook's belongings? Yes. Right. Etsuko will take it and glance at it and turn it around. and It's pretty small in her enormous hand. Yeah. Uh, but God, she's so cool. She will... Uh, would you mind if I cast a spell on this? Uh, I, I don't mind. I'm just not sure what it would do. Well, it would help me determine if this is truly rhinestone. Okay. And she will, uh, with the jar in her right hand, she will, like, bring out the tome that has been resting in this kind of chain that is like, almost like a holster attached to her. Mm -hmm. She pulls out this big tome of hers and flips through some pages with a couple of fingers, and then you see her begin to mutter to herself as you're continuing to walk. And, uh... When you're all staring expectantly, she's like, Oh, this is a ritual. It will require several minutes. Uh, okay. Please continue. Cherish just continues, like, staring at her. <laughs> gotcha. So I need to steal a bunch. Well, it's not steal. Find some rhinestone. Sell that for money. Okay. Good, 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 good. Walking along about ten-ish minutes later. Uh, Etsuko's eyes will flash with this brilliant black-white light that is white light rimmed with black outlines that shines out from her eyes and the book she's holding will also shine with that light and then she will stare at the jar she is holding and look at it strangely and tilt it around and then she will blink her eyes rapidly and they will return back to her normal almost pitch black pupils that look relatively normal other than being very dark. And she will hand the jar back to you and say, it appears to be a rhinestone, but it's very strange. The the small piece of earth on the bottom, you see there? And on the mm -hmm. bottom of the jar, there's like a piece of earth that mm -hmm. the rhinestone is growing out of. And she says, if I had to take a guess, I would say that this has been grown, but I have never seen or heard of any artificially grown rhinestone before. Most mages do not believe that it is possible. Hmm. Do we know where rhinestone comes from then, or is it just one of those yeah, mysteries from, of the valley? It comes from, like, the Earth. edges of the valley, like, close closer to the storm wall. Well, I just mean, like, like how, I think, like how does it I think you there? mine it. It grows. 
basically. Yeah. Anywhere almost universally at the edges of the valley, but Etsuko seems to imply that it can be found on the edges of rifts as well, is that... That's te technically an edge of the valley. <laughs> it's true. That it will begin to grow and accumulate wherever there is high magic. It is condensed magic, essentially. Yeah. Like sea salt. But, yeah, but like you couldn't grow it yourself. That's what most people think. Yeah. But you have a bottle that maybe says otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and Etsuko will be very curious where you got this bottle. <laughs> um, we got this off of uh, just a horrible man. Like, uh, imagine if a turd had legs and walked around. <laughs> and a dumb face. And Etsuko can't help but, like, glance back at Darren Dunn, but then look back at all of you. Oh, no, not <laughs> no. no, 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 he's, oh, he's no. a silver turd, put, okay. Li listen, I got my issues with Darren Dunn, but I wouldn't even put him in the same category as this fucker. Uh, and you go on to regale <laughs> Etsuko with awful, awful stories somewhat embellished about Phineas Finebrook. <laughs> and that is how... Grawl just shouts from the back, like, He sucks! <laughs> Every so often. He made the me worst. <laughs> so yeah, the rest of your day passes pretty uneventfully. The eighth of so as you move through the woods, barring the strange occurrences of having to reorient yourself on the road every now and again, the road is fairly straight. And as evening approaches, uh, Arbadon calls a halt to the day and lets out a weary and pulls a big drag from his water skin. It's like... Okay, find a good place to camp, but just know that uh, when we wake up in the morning, the road's probably not going to be there. Okay. Mm. So you've got a couple of options. You can either try to find a denser piece of foliage to give yourself some cover, or you can try to find a more open patch underneath the trees to have a more comfortable campsite. Hmm. Um, like I miss what you said, so I will go with what I do the group like the chooses. Open thing. <laughs> That's just me. You want to do the open thing? Yeah, I don't. I don't know all the trees and stuff like that. It's going to be hard to hammock out in the open, but but I can see things, and everything else can see us. So I, it, you know, mixed bag. And so the, the, the woods here is really dense, no matter which way you're looking. I'm just yeah. talking about whether or not you want to be in a thicket or based posted up around the base of larger trees that has some space to either side of them. I would say a thicket, and then whoever's on watch is outside of the thicket. You know... That's sure, that sounds reasonable. Okay. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, all right, then you find a thicker patch of woods. There is a, a small copse of trees that is sort of separated out from the undergrowth, uh, what little there is, and this large bramble that sort of surrounds a semicircle of this copse. Um, you begin setting up camp here. Arbidon will use his square-headed axe. He'll thunk it into a tree and then pull, use it to pull himself up into the low branches. 
and you can see that he has a strange way of locomotion that involves digging his hooves into the bark and like chipping a little staircase for himself to get up into the low branches of a tree. Rad. Very cool. Canaeus will uh, begin setting up this little campsite, and you can see that he brings out this little tripod and begins hanging a uh, a tea kettle of some kind. He lights a small fire and begins uh, making tea for everybody. Yay! Oh, thank you. Etsuko will begin walking a slow circle around the area, and she will set up an alarm spell. Sweet. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Need that. Uh, Darren Dunn will kind of sit down uh, on a tree root and look around, arms on his hands on his sh uh, hips, and kind of like nodding, like "as a as a good first day, everyone." Yeah, good, good, great. We we're making it. One day down, f four to go. What is this? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> and everyone's kind of looking at him like. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Weird. He's trying so hard to be encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Um. And when he's sitting down, once he stops talking and looking away, Sid, you will glance back and see that uh, once everyone has looked away from him, he'll pull a small onyx figurine of a donkey out of his pocket and begins just, like, rotating it and, like, twiddling it in his fingers and, like, is just, like, very much holding it but not doing anything with it. It's his, it's his little fidget spinner. Gotcha. And he's kind of just looking into the middle distance. And as you have the highest uh, passive perception, you're the one to notice this. Yeah. It is noted. Okay. Yeah. Do you all try to set up hammocks? There's definitely enough space for that. Or do you try to set up your tents? There's definitely not enough room I wanna... for at least two tents here. I want to try a hammock. Yeah, we should give it a we should give it a go. Okay. Hammock. Uh, I think I think Cherish is actually going to do the tent and bed roll. Okay. Tonight. Uh, what are you doing with the long forgotten Hank Montgomery? Um, because it doesn't really fit in the thicket. Yeah. Uh, it it would have to tear apart a little bit of the thicket to get in there. <laughs> He is the thicket. He is the thicket. But, like, you said there was, like, enough room for two tents? Yeah, set up between trees. So, would would he, like, take up that space? Yeah, he could. Though? Yeah, so I guess if no one else is going to set up a tent, then I would ask if Hank can just sort of take up that space. But if someone else wants to put up a tent, then I guess, you know, he can stand on the outside of the, what? like, alarm spell, even. I think the three other threadless are uh, uh, hammocking, uh, but the Rift Keepers is what I, they also are sleeping somewhere, so. Uh, it doesn't look like any of them are setting up tents of any kind. You see oh. that uh, Etsuko is going to uh, what looks like this little bed of flowers begins sprouting near oh. where she is settling down and it's like this little miniature garden is kind of sprouting up between two trees as she begins <sighs> casting the, a spell of some kind with her book open. Oh my god. And 
All of the flowers are blacks and purples and blues. And in the trees just above, you see a shit ton of cobwebs kind of gaining definition and beginning to position themselves into reality. So that creates a little bit of a uh, top for this little, like gazebo natural gazebo that she's making it's a little nature canopy i love it i love it it's awesome Mm. (laughs) and when she's finished like that all of us are like we love her she will close the book and say a a quick bit of a thank you in the same language that you heard before sylvan Uh, and it looks as though arbidon is sleeping up in the branches of trees and Canaeus is, you don't know, he's setting up a small campfire for everybody to enjoy a, a meals and to uh, drink tea around. Uh, he looks Ooh. as though he is pulling out some peeled potatoes uh, and like setting them into the rocks around the campfire. He's baking some potatoes for everybody. Nice. You do not know where Dumb. he found those potatoes. You he know killed what? an entire village of potato <laughs> people. Does, do the potatoes have faces on them? Uh, there no, is one with a small carved face on it that looks like it's frightened. No! But it's, it, but it's, it's clearly been carved out of the oh. potato. He, like, made it. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Old man with his goofs. And uh, once that's all set up, he will settle down and begin to unstring and uh, clean his longbow. He's, like, making sure it's unstrung and uh, checking the line for any phrase and he'll check all of his arrows and he seems to be very meticulous about his bow and arrow mm-hmm. um yeah after that it doesn't seem as though any of these people and darren dunn seems to be just settling down like the the crook of a couple of trees he's got like a, a bedroll that he's kind of throwing up over himself like a little cocoon mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, how do you want to handle watch for the evening? Yeah, that's a good question. So there are has eight of you. Sp- yeah, and Gross. Etsuko has the alert spell going. The alarm spell, yes. Alert, oh, yeah, sorry. Alert is a feat. Alarm is a spell. <laughs> One of those. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if she... Does she just, like... I'll ask her if she just usually, like, leaves that for the evening if that's like good enough or if she suggests that we even have watch and she'll say no that is a last ditch emergency warning it only alerts if there's something already on top of us oh yeah uh, i don't know how magic works so Ah, yes no this particular spell wards a specific range of area that is actually quite small oh okay an so, hour watch each, then? Hour watch, or two people per normal watch, you know? Uh, Arbidon recommends the second one. Two people yeah. per regular watch is actually a lot better, because then you have two sets of eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Okay, so which NPC would each of you like to team up with during the rotation? God, that's such a good question. <laughs> First come, first serve. Go. Like All of done. us done. silent. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. What, who did you say? Darren Dunn. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
I'm thinking to about talk it. to him about the best of other people. Uh, I'll team up with my fellow paladin. Okay, so I'll take I'll take uh, Etsuko. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll uh, take watch with Arbidon. All right, cool, cool. And we'll stick to the normal watch order. So, uh, Sid, Cherish, Tirza, Grawl, with your associated partners. Sound good? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. Love it. Okay. Your yeah. fellow NPCs will be giving you aid on your perception checks for the evening. Yes. So you get great. an advantage. Cool. Ooh, yeah. Ciao. Those are both horrible, though. Guess Ooh, who's going to be good. rolling that encounter table? Probably me. <laughs> Twenty. And it's the night Sid. one. Sixteen for Grawl. Thank goodness that I have advantage because one of those was in that one. Uh, <laughs> seven for Tirza. Seven. For oh. Tirza. I got an eight. Oh. oh. So, Olivia, please you sleep. roll me a d12. Oh. Oh, good. All right. Um, let's do this Aussie that I just got, because mm-hmm. that seems... Mm-hmm. Four. So of your dice. Four. Ooh, fun. Um, okay. So, as... Let's see if I can find this one real quick. I was looking forward to a to a fun, calm conversation about oaths and being a paladin, and instead, good. whatever good. this is, whatever this is. <laughs> if I can find it, where to go? Nope, those are giants. Don't need those. Whew. <laughs> Oh, it's because it's near the front. Duh. Um, okay, so your watches, for the most part, go uneventfully. Sid, your, your first watch is with uh, Etsuko. Mm-hmm. She is very curious about the silver pocket watch that you have and why you seem to be the only one with it. With uh, The only one with, with it out of our group? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been wondering that exact same thing. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, I'm, I'm pretty great, but honestly, like, the rest of my party is too. Uh, <laughs> so Gee, I'm not... thanks. <laughs> So yeah, I don't I don't know. I feel like Grawl has the best rapport with with the old mage. So I'm honestly a little surprised she didn't go with him as well. Uh, you know, happy to happy to carry the burden. I don't know, it's not a but Yeah. Not sure. Maybe I'll ask her the next time I have a conversation. Okay. Yeah, yeah she is uh She's curious about that simply because it seems as though you've all been elevated as heroes in a way, being threadless. So why, like, and her experience, the people who are chosen to be Rift Keepers are done so because they have some kind of 
explicit natural expertise in extraplanar matters. That's an interesting thing. Now, I don't have expertise in extraplanar matters, but both times that we've closed rifts, I did so obviously with the aid of my friends, but with uh, with my sword. So maybe yeah. we knew that something... Okay, I lost my train of thought here. Also, both of your biological parents are, like, heavily involved in yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, and also, you wouldn't have been able to dick with your sword if I hadn't, like, channeled everyone's <laughs> power into you. Mm-hmm. But that's, mm-hmm. that's neither here I nor did, there. I did mention, with the help of my friends, I did say yeah. that. Um... And he was the one who, like, instinctively knew the what to do. Yeah. Look, he knew the oh. Konami code. Yes. I just so had to I give him the power glove. Maybe, maybe. Just let's start. <laughs> I probably fucked that up. I probably fucked it up. Also, think. it's possible, just possible, that part of the reason is because I'm more or less related to Lucidian Iodon. That might be part of it. She gives you a wide-eyed look. More or less. And says, you're related to Master Lucidian? Oh, so you've met. He was one of our teachers in becoming a a Rift Keeper. Mm, Interesting. The head of House Lyodon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about Master Lyodon? And as she looks at you, she is just like wide-eyed and she says, he is a, a, a great scholar of the arcane. He knows much about the ways of the realm scars. His family knows ancient secrets about Interplanar travel and closing realm scars. They're one of the greatest allies of the old mage in Fair Ames here. Okay, so that's like big picture, but I'm talking picture here, like, like hanging out with him in a room. Oh, I never just hung having... out with Master Lyodon. It was no, because he doesn't have time for the plebeians, right? Is that kind of like the air that he's given? Oh no! If I ever requested time, he was very generous with his. Uh, his teachings, it was just that uh, I am not worthy of uh, taking more time than is necessary from one as important as he. Okay. So you'd say people around him, either do they like him? Oh, yes. Do they respect him or do they fear him? He's one of the most respected nobles in all of Fair Ames here. Okay, okay. So he's, he's, a, he's, he's, okay. Uh-huh. Um, Not like the type of guy who would run out on his uh, newly born son or anything. <laughs> I mean, speaking <laughs> at a metagame level, I, well, yeah, it's I don't gonna be really so know. Much I don't really mu- If he's a nice dude. <laughs> um... What about, have you met his daughter? Um, no, I do not believe she is involved with any of the business pertaining to Rift Keeping. Okay. 
Okay. He seemed rather protective of her any time the subject came up. Though, admittedly, I was never one to press that subject. Sure, sure. Any other... Does he have any other... Obviously, Lyodon is a big family, so there's a lot of Lyodons and Varium's here. There are quite a few within House Lyodon, all of their uh, attendants and supplicants and uh, house guards all attend the house, yes. Uh, direct family members, I believe there are uh, a few, yes. Okay. Do you know, like... So, what are we talking direct family members? Like, uh, oh. he has siblings, or... Yes, has... Master Lyodon Lucidian. He always insisted I use his first name, but it always felt wrong. Uh, I believe he has two sisters and two brothers. Okay. okay. All Did of you, them older. Uh, all of them older. Two sisters, two brothers. Great. I am given to understand that there is some tension between members of the house, though. I never pride myself. Oh, so you, you haven't heard anything. You don't know. You don't know. You haven't heard. I'm sure like, you've spent some time in Ferium's here. What, Master Lucidian is the youngest of the children of House Lydon. When their mm -hmm. father passed, the control of the house passed to Lucidian, despite the fact that he was the youngest member. Mm, gotcha. I'm given to understand that this caused some tension within the family. Well, I can imagine why. But again, I never pried into such things. I was more concerned with the matters of rift keeping. Of course. Of course. How were you related to Master Sid Lucidian? You know? <laughs> uh. Um, yeah, distantly, distant, you know, uh, like a yes, yeah, like long distance, like very, <laughs> like very, very distantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so ne I've actually time, never time wise, very long distance. Um, so I, I've never met him myself so this will be an interesting experience i'm sure indeed <laughs> is he like is he like hmm, how do i how do i word this is he like seeing anyone that seems weird is he married is he yes like Okay. Oh, oh no. So oh boy. I'm gonna die. And then Sid is like physically wincing. Um, Are you alright, Sid? Yeah. Uh huh. I got one of those like sudden migraines. Ah. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna breathe for a bit. So, um. Good, good talk. Good talk. Indeed. And Ezekiel relapses into awkward silence. She feels like something she said was wrong. Other than that, your watch passes in awkward silence. Oh boy. So good. So good. <laughs> you guys are so excited to get to Ferry. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Zuko voice.
That's rough, buddy. <laughs> Cherish, your watch with Arbadon uh, is a silent and cold one. There are low forced sounds in the near distance that make you turn and twitch, but Arbadon will always give you a, a passing gesture and saying, ah, oh, it's just some kind of uh, night pig shuffling through the, the woods looking for truffles. Don't worry about it. He'll always okay. pass it off as like some kind of forest animal that he'll immediately be able to recognize. Or if he doesn't, he'll make up something and he sounds believable. Yeah. The hero that the Eastwood deserves, but not the one it needs right now. Night pig. <laughs> God. The dark pig. Um, dark uh, boar. Uh, thanks. I. We don't really have a great track record of getting through watches uneventfully. Hmm. Well, stick with me. We'll see if we can't get through here with a uh, little trouble. Obviously, it's the Eastwood. It's plenty dangerous, but, uh, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um. I. I. I guess I should. I should say this to everybody, but um. Also, we could maybe run into something not quite as uh, maybe typical for the Eastwood. Um, I mean, we're walking into a bubble of who knows what. Nothing's typical uh, that anymore. That too. That too. So I guess maybe maybe it's... it's I don't need to say anything. Just gotta keep up on our hooves and stay alert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And during the watch, he will sharpen the edges of his axe. Other than that, your watch passes uneventfully. Tirza. Jess. You are awoken by uh, Kanaeus, who... Uh, Cherish, when you go to pass off the watch, you notice that Kanaeus maybe wasn't asleep the whole time. Like, when you walk over to him, he's just awake, and he'll, like, stretch a little bit and stand up and say, My turn? All right. He was just resting his eyes. Night napping. So Kanaeus will go to wake up Tirza. Tirza, you have found hammocks to be delightfully pleasant to sleep in. It's like a little cocoon. Mm. Uh, Tirza is kind of low to the ground because she's very <laughs> short and can't get it higher. <laughs> she tried climbing and it didn't really work. Yeah. Um... And she will sit, like, shield at the ready, and Ashura, like, laying ac across her knees and is just intently staring out into the woods. Okay. <laughs> and as you do, Kanaeus is rekindling the low fire that he had for his teapot. Maybe not getting it as bright as before when he was cooking dinner, but uh, getting it low enough and hot enough to where he can uh, kindle the embers back to... Uh, make himself some more tea, and he'll offer you some if you want it. Oh, I'll I'll definitely take some. Thank you. Mm. And he will say a, a quick prayer to Bacchus as he raises a tea glass towards you. 
um, she'll she'll do a cheer, but obviously not. Mm-hmm. But obviously won't praise Bacchus. That'd be awkward. Good health, good party. I'm not, I'm not married to any of this. To use a <laughs> grawl. <laughs> um, how does one? Uh, and if this is uh, an offensive question, um, I don't y- know what you could say to offend me, girly. <laughs> your your god is one of uh, revelry. Revels, Bacchus, god of revels, <laughs> parties, shindigs, hootenannies. How does one? Uh, so your devotion is expressed through good times. Just partying? Oh, that sounds that sounds so nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but it's also making sure that everyone at the party is having a good time. That is how one worships. Hmm. You walk around, you make sure everyone's got drinks in their hands, foods in their bellies, and a fine conversational partner. That is it's more work something than it seems. I would be very bad at. Yes, mm. it, no, it sounds like it. It That doesn't sound easy at all. That sounds like the worst nightmare, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. You seem, you seem very self-assured in that. Well. It's. You do a thing for as long as I have, you get good at it. Right. That's fair. What about you, Jarashir? <laughs> they as crazy as they say? Doomsday worshippers? Is that what you worship? Doomsday? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's less about, well, in a certain way it is. Um, it's... All the plebeians are asleep. Brass tacks here. Come on. <laughs> The world as we know it is... He'll, like, make a hand-flapping motion. (laughs) This is out of character, because Tears is just like, what? I don't know what to say. Um, It's about... keeping everyone safe. And... defending... Those who can't defend themselves. There you go. See? Was that so hard? Well, there's a lot of weird metaphors. There's in there always too, and like- extra bits on the <laughs> end. I know. It makes it very complicated. I'm not talking to you about all of the, the rites of spring and the, the winemaking and the, the, the worship of the grapevine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm God's God of parties. Brass tacks. Cut right to the core. I wish I was better at doing that. I yeah, takes a practice. little mixed up. Yeah. Some people need to hear all the jibber jabber, but some people are impressed by it. Those damn fools in the Divine Athenium, they want to hear about all that crap. But the gods don't care. 
They care about what's in here. And he'll point at his heart. And he'll care and they care what you do with these. And he raises his hands. Do you ever mess up? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just imagining like, oh party god. Uh I know about Dionysian myth. <laughs> you know how many yeah, bad was... parties I've been to? Oof. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, uh, Kanaeus could talk to you all about how the process of winemaking relates to the life and death and rebirth of Bacchus, but he's not gonna do that. <laughs> That's the boring crap. Uh, what do you do when you have a bad party? Well, first, you find the greasiest breakfast you can the next day, because... Next, you get on to the next one. You say your forgiveness prayers, whatever that happens to be. In my line of work, it tends to be a lot of... And Bacchus usually gets the gist. The hangover is penance enough, that makes sense. <laughs> And, uh, then, yeah, you try again later. <sighs> yeah. Guess that's what I'm doing right now. Hmm. Because you got, uh, what? One big doomsday god or a bunch of little doomsday gods? No, it's, it's, um, well, one is the doomsday god and then the other, like, um, they're, but they're all wrapped into one. It's, I... I'm not a very good priest of, uh... Mm. Shar isn't really about evangelism so much. Well, that's something. Could be worse. You could be like some of them snooty fellas from the Church of Paylor. Mm. Always going about a light this and light that and light your heart and light the way. Blah. Yeah. The, the Doomsday one did just visit me and tell me I was doing a bad job, so that was cool and exciting. And and he will stop friends. and stare at you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, hence the, the forgiveness thing, the recompense. Mm. Yeah, um, can't say I've ever been visited by my god, so... Huh. Alright. Cool. Hey, not for lack of trying. Back in the day, I made my way all across well, a bunch of places. Made my way to Mount Celestia at least twice. Uh, and you were never visited, like, physically, in person? Well, no, but I always figured because it was a whole faith thing. If I'd done and shook hands with Bacchus, as they say, uh, I feel like it would be uh, lessened the experience a little bit. I don't know. That makes sense. But, yeah. Look, I'm not saying I haven't drunk a god or two under the table, but don't think I could ever step to Bacchus. <laughs> And it is about that time that there is a snuffling sound coming from the woods nearby, and Canaeus will look up, and you both hear it at the same time. And you see this bright white light filtering through the trees. 
And as you watch, you see this huge, enormous boar the size of a horse that is just glowing with this bright, radiant white light moving through the trees, snuffling th through the underbrush, and eventually it'll, like, make its way towards the edge of your camp. Day pig. Fighter of the night pig. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Master of karate? And friendship. For everyone. <laughs> Man, I hope we don't meet the troll to whom we have to pay a toll. And as you watch, the anyway. giant boar will, like, root around in some underbrush, pull something out, chomp down on it, and then it will vanish. Like, the light just... And then you'll look around, and then, like, 50 feet off, there it is again. And it seems to be making its same route back towards you. Um, Canaeus will just look at I you and look at it and slowly begin to string his bow. Can I walk over to where it had snuffled to? And it like it bit down on something? Mm -hmm. Can I see if I could could like see what that was? Uh you see the uh half eaten body of a small onion folk. Uh. Mm -hmm. Oh no. And there is a, a rustle and a shudder, and you see a bunch of tiny oniony forms fleeing through the woods, and the uh, the pig will run, 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 disappear, and then reappear, and you hear a crunching sound off in the distance. Oh my god! <laughs> and should we Canaeus them? is like shaking his head. <laughs> It's like, I don't want to hear their tiny onion screams in my dreams, though. They're not uh, screaming. But it doesn't seem to be, like, coming. It's, it's like, pretty focused on the onion people. It, it is hunting the onion folk, yes. Oh, my God. Um, I think I also just, like, look at Canaeus and then look back to the pig. And it's and off then... in the distance, probably, like, 50 feet away, and it, like, again, as it's running, it'll disappear, and then reappear further along its line of procession, having caught up with a an onion person. And you'll see this, like, little outline in the light that is being put off by the giant pig, and you'll see the onion person just being <laughs> snooted down by this huge pig. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I think I'll just, like, watch it as it yeah snuffles the, off into the distance they they it disappears in the distance the the rustling of the onion folk as they flee silently through the woods they are apparently trying not to make much sound to throw off the, whatever this thing is that is hunting them and other than that your watch passes uneventfully holy goddamn all right <laughs> Grawl, mm -hmm. you got an uninterrupted uh, long rest here. Yep. You wake up for, um, for last watch? Yeah, um, to, I had time to do some research, yeah. 
again, I'm not reminding you to do that. So if you want to do it, no, it no, is no. Up I'm just you. saying I had enough time. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, so long as your long rest is uninterrupted, you always have that opportunity to either do some research, cast augury, or just sleep. Um, I want to cast augury. All right. And then I want to um ask about the Kotbeyun. Well, do you remember what augury does? Yeah, kind of. Let me scroll down through my ultimate. It's just a sheet. positive negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to I want to see what uh like things how things feel about the Kotbeyun. Okay. Shrug, um shrug yeah. you get <laughs> A, a meandering track through the dreamlands, trying to determine information about the the Kotbeyun. And apparently in the dreamlands, the Kotbeyun is a very well-respected figure. And at a certain point, you find yourself on a city at a lake shore uh, made of crumbling stone that is populated by cats. Just hundreds and thousands of cats. And some of them have tail rings and little, like, shoulder dresses and ear piercings. All of the vaguely Egyptian-looking with lapis lazuli inlays and uh, teal and blue is a big color highlight in a lot of these cats. Some of them have... Is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Reed, but I think you just won D&D. Occasionally, you'll see one of the cats... Let out a big stretch and then look upwards across the lake and in the distance you'll see a strange silver moon in the sky and the cat will just curl down and then jump and it will disappear out into the sky and hurtle towards the moon. And you find yourself talking to a cat here at this strange city and the cat seems to give you the impression that there is both good and bad to be had from the Kat Bayoun. Great storyteller. Uh, a great healer, but the Kotbeyun is unloved by many other figures here in the Dreamlands, though apparently he is a great friend to the cats of Ulthar. Cool. Excellent. How, how, how big are they on being pet? I don't... Depends if you ask or not. One way to find out. Shake. Yeah, to ask. Yeah. Shake it all. I don't know. Custom where we come from. Or maybe if you ask, they're like, Mm-mm. yeah, no. I will cares. permit you two belly rubs. <gasps> belly rubs. Nice. Okay. It's a trap. It... <laughs> it's he immediately trap. bites you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Somehow the cat gives me middle fingers and walks away <laughs> on its hind legs. <laughs> Belly rubs it is. Two. You no more. Give the cat belly two rubs. belly rubs and it says, yes, mm-hmm. this pleases me. <laughs> me too. Just one D&D. <laughs> and then, yeah, you wake up to have your watch with Darren Dunn. Mm-hmm. Somehow incredibly disappointing after the cat belly rubs. Yeah. I asked Darren to done. So do dragons like belly rubs too, or no? No. Oh my god. <laughs> fuck are you talking about? That's yeah. that's a hell of a way to start a conversation. 
And as you begin your watch with Darren Dunn, uh, I believe you had some things to ask him. Uh, yeah. I like first off, I want to ask him, like, "Hey, are you doing okay?" And like, he says, "Yeah, yeah, doing, doing, doing great. Um, yeah, uh, trying, try, trying to do better." Mm-hmm. Right. Well. <laughs> Doing great. Mm, yeah. Very good. Yep. I was um, a big fan of that breakfast. It was uh, be- best part of waking up is the breakfast that Darren Dunn gets for everybody. I mean, you don't have to, but you just very much appreciate well, it. Well, I can't you. do that again out here because we don't end an inn, so, um, yeah. Yes. All right. Um... Well, now that we've had a rousing conversation of two sentences, I have something more important to ask you. Oh. Yes. Um, so how, how do you know Lucidian? Like, like, are you really, really good friends with him? And he'll glance over at Sid. Sidian? Lucidian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, um. Him. The older one. Ah. I've known him. It's sleeping, right? Yes. Perfect. I've known him for, well, I've known him for his entire life. Uh, me and House Lydon go way back. How how far back? Uh, beginning of the valley. I was sort of. Everyone just showed up here. Uh. Made friends. No, <laughs> no. Uh, it's it's kind of a long story. I don't. Do you want to hear this? I mean, I, what what else am I going to do? I mean, there's I could count leaves. We could play. I spy. Yeah, yeah, happens. yeah. Okay, so, okay. Um. Yeah. There we go. That's what I thought. Then I guess I got to tell you about the beginning of the valley. Then. Please and thank you. And before we get into that long story, I think we are going to take our break. And when we return, we are going to delve into the deepest of lore. (laughs) Hey everybody, it's me, your dungeon master, your internet friend, your guy who steals Griffin McElroy's bit. I'm popping in in the middle of the episode just to say, Hey, I know shit's scary right now. I know it can seem hectic and insane with all of the pandemic stuff going on. With events being shut down left and right, and people being told to distance themselves socially from all sorts of gatherings here and there, it can be an isolating time for folks. Not everyone is so lucky as to have four amazing players who (laughs) want to play an RPG in their wacky transplanar world every week. And unfortunately, I can't be the dungeon master for everyone. But... What little I can do, I will. I just want to let everybody who's listening know that even if you are alone physically, you are not alone digitally, I guess? (laughs) I know we say it at the end of every episode, but if you're feeling isolated, please reach out to me or any of the other Matcom folks. We're available on Twitter. We'll say our handles at the end of the episode like we always do. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at MatcomRPG. I'm hoping to make our Discord server available for folks in the near future as well, so you can hop on and talk to any of us here from the show or other fans of MatCom. Your Matt comrades, if you will. 
You're not alone, dear listener. There are plenty of internet friends just waiting for you. I should know. I'm one of them. All right. Now, who wants to hear a story? Let's get you back to the action. And welcome back to Material Components. When we last left our heroes, they had gone through their first day out in the Eastwood, and it was full of onion folk and night pigs. <coughs> and now the night pig is full of onion folk. But circle so, of life, so what are you gonna do? Be. Yeah. <laughs> But during the last watch of the evening, now in the early hours of the ninth of so, Grawl has asked some very, very long-winded stories from one Darren Dunn about how he had found himself here in the valley and in the company of one House Lyodon. And... After you agree to listen to this long story, Darren Dunn will settle up a little bit, push the the bedroll that he's been using as a big sleeping blanket off a little bit. And he will look at you seriously, growl, and kind of glance around, seeing everyone else is at least appearing to be asleep. And he'll say... So, you were there yesterday at the shop for all that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's no bones about it. I mean, you already know. So, yeah, I'm I'm a dragon, is the thing. Uh, Dazzle Darren <gasps> Yeah. I already forgot. Wow. Well, okay. So, uh, he's... Where do I even start this fucking story? Uh, I'm I'm not from here. You you already know that too, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm from a place called Toral. He's Toral. Uh, yeah. He's he's another material plane, I guess. I'm 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 not too up on all this extra planar stuff, yeah. I mean, we're not particularly experts on that either, so... Yeah, I mean... right. Um, what I know is... A, a little over 500 years ago. 530-ish, somewhere in there. Time got a little funny for a while, so I'm not 100% on the exact dates, mind you. Uh, something bad was happening. And I mean, like, real bad. Like, the world I was on, it it it'd gone through its share of world-ending Armageddon-type stuff, yeah? I mean, you live in a place where magic's mucking about, there's always going to be something that could end the world. You got, like, giant uber spells and liches and gods mucking about in reality, and it, it you know, it was not one thing, it's another. Typical week, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, I mean, but yeah, except this one, well, it wasn't so typical. We, we'd been through this thing, it was called the Spell Plague, uh, a, a while back, long, long time. It it done some real damage to our, to the planet. Uh, and it, it had mashed 
another world into ours for a little bit. You say mashed, like... Uh, like there were chunks of... crashing together. There was chunks of this other place on our world. And that's, like, there weren't dragonborn on our, on Toral until this happened. It, I mean, there were, but they were like half dragons, magical abomination things. And then suddenly, boom, there's a whole country full of dragonborn. And they're like, yeah, we're just, you know, folk. And everyone was like, yeah, cool, dragonborn, sweet. It was a whole thing. Anyway, that got sorted out. But then this other thing started happening that was a little bit like that. Are you following me? I, as much as I can. Okay, well, so... It was bits of other places mashing themselves on top of Toral. It was uh, other worlds, other, uh, other planes. And when a chunk of the f elemental plane of fire pops up in a forest, it doesn't end well for anybody. No. So it was real apocalypse level shit happening. And, you know, I'm... What's called a metallic dragon, yeah? Mm -hmm. We we tend to be the good ones. There's the metallic dragons, we're the good guys. The chromatic dragons are the bad guys. That's how it's always worked. But this was so bad that all of the dragons got together and we were trying to figure out how to way to stop it. And it didn't work. Nothing could stop it. But my mate, Valmarodres, who, and he'll look over towards where Cherish is sleeping, and shake his head and look back to you and say, "Who, who is, who might be Cherish's mum? Maybe I don't know. We're still figuring that out." Yeah. Um. But she, she got to talking with. A bunch of people, well, everybody, trying to figure out what to do. And there was some really powerful people involved. There was this drow guy, there was this wizard who knew his stuff, there was this uh, chick from the city with this big black stick, and there was all this stuff. And all these people coming together trying to fix this, trying to figure out what they could do. And there's a ton of adventurers, heroes, people normal people just trying to help but none of it worked everything was falling apart and one day because i don't know any of this magic stuff really like i got a little bit of magic because i'm a dragon and that's it comes with the territory but like the theory and the the ins and outs and all that stuff it's just whoosh, right over the old horns But Valmaradres, she says there's a way out. She says that she can save some people. And I don't really understand what she's saying. Not the, not the technical bits anyway, but... She's saying that some people can live, some people can get out, some people can be safe. But most people won't be. 
And I say, great. Well, we'll see if we can, yeah? That's... See if we can. How do, how do we choose? And She's already got it all figured out, because she always said everything. Or figured out exactly who would be be going through. And, uh... That's, that's the first time I saw the old mage, actually. Was, uh... That day, when we were getting out. Well, I, I didn't think I was getting out at the time. The dragons, we were, we were pretty set on going down with the ship, as it were. It was, uh... Kind of a unified decision, yeah? Because the dragons, we were like... Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but we're like, the first, yeah? Like, there's the world, and then there's dragons. And then everybody else. Like, that's usually how it works. Sure. You're the dragon, not me. Yeah, I, exactly. I Ex again, this, right? You know. So, like, we figure if the world's going down, like, dragons gotta go down with it, yeah? Die trying, all that. Noble stuff. So. I never meant to leave. I never meant to get out. But. There at the end, the old mage was there, and there was this big circle. It's a diagram, big magic thing. I don't know. Val said it was going to take everyone out. And there was a couple of other folk with, with the old mage. I didn't recognize them. They didn't smell right. I don't know. Later, I'd, I found out they were all from different worlds, and the old mage had gotten them all together to do this thing. To get people to the valley, to get who they could, to save who they could. And I never meant to leave, but at the last second... Val, she... She, she pushed me into the circle. I don't know if she meant to, I don't know if she... She told Zenerva what she was going to do, but that's what she did, and that's how I ended up here. And so, yeah, that's how a bunch of people ended up here, actually. And uh, the people who showed up that way showed up over in, um, in Stormhaven. And, uh... It's, uh, it was people from all over. It wasn't just Toral. It was all a bunch of places. It was just a bunch of circles appearing in the city with batches of hundreds, thousands of people. In those first couple of days, it was just chaos, anarchy. But the old mage was there and a bunch of others and myself and I tried to help where I could because I'm a fucking dragon, mate, right? And but after a while, people started getting a little too jumpy around dragons. Um, it was a thing with Pyre Scale there near the beginning. It was... Uh, well, he didn't look too kindly on a lot of people coming to his valley all at once. But uh, the old mate showed him with some help. But... So... He was here before everyone showed up. Yeah, yeah. Apparently he and the old mage had worked out some deal with this place, the valley. But uh, 
I don't know if he exactly knew what he was bargaining for. But, uh, old mage held him to his word, and here we are. Old shit-stain still brooding about it. But yeah, eventually, uh, Stormhaven got settled a bit, and, uh, people started ranging out a bit more, and we slowly started figuring out that the people of Stormhaven weren't the only ones to make it out. There was a couple of other places. There was the big city in the lake. The, 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 the I don't, zero something. Uh, that made yeah, it's it. more than I remember. Yeah. Um, and then there was the Srothan, that whole mountain that wasn't here before. The, the mountain wasn't here? Yeah. Yeah, if you can believe it. One day he just showed up. I mean, I've been on D&D memes lately, so there's lots of mountain jokes. Well, look, this mountain ain't no joke. Cool. And there was also Fair Ames here. And there's some other folk that showed up here and there, started their own little communities, like the friggin' vampire mayor down in the Drylands. He showed up eventually. Uh, yeah. And, uh, once things started settling down, I, when I actually had time to think about everything, when there wasn't some, something to do, something, someone to save, some, <sighs> look, I, I figured out real quick that I am not good company with myself, that's what I know. And so I started to try to find a way back. That's what I tried to do for years. Years and years. But I don't have a head for that sort of thing, so... I, I tried to find people who did. That's how I, I got, went on to Fair Ames here, to House Lyodon, to... Well, to eventually, to Sid's dad. How old is Sid's dad? Uh, he's young for an elf. Couple hundred? Ah, uh, not even. I don't think he's hit his first centennial. Hmm. Uh, but... 60, 70, somewhere in there. I'm not sure. It's tough to keep track of the little dates. Tends to just drift after a while. Uh, but yeah, they didn't, they couldn't help me, which <laughs> pissed them right the hell off. And in the meantime, all I could do was wait while they tried everything they could. And I'm not very good at waiting, so I started drinking. And that made me a bit better company. <laughs> Fair enough. I got to the bottom of a wineskin and I never looked back. It made me a lot easier to deal with, I think. 
made it so I didn't have to really think about what I could have done different. Questions I could have asked her before. Maybe I could have done something. Helped somehow. I mean, I'm a freaking dragon, man. But... And he'll give you... He'll... He was kind of staring in the middle of the distance for most of this story, but eventually he'll blink hard, holding back some moisture at his eyes, and he'll look up at you, Grawl, and he'll say, You got all this power sometimes, and it just feels like even though you got the ability to change so much, you still can't change what's important, yeah? Yeah. Fucking sucks. Yes, it does. But yeah, so that's most of the story, anyway. I don't want to make you feel bad or anything, so <laughs> I won't. Well, you know, given circumstances, but. Hypothetically speaking, what if she's where I think she is? Does that change anything? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If, if Valmorod races in hell, if she's... Consult. It doesn't make any sense. Does any of it make sense? It makes more sense than Valmarad race living in hell, man. You didn't know her. She was... I didn't. There's, there's not a lot of dragons out and about in the valley here, and the only one that makes himself known is a ripe prick. But gold dragons are good. Like, capital G, good. Uh, I don't know how else to say that. They're just, it's in their bones, it's in their blood, it's in their soul. Sometimes they can be kind of pricks about it at times, but no matter what they're doing, they're doing it for the right reasons. What if that's the case? What if it was to save everyone? And he'll kind of just like stop and freeze and stare at you and say, Wait, what do you mean? What if she was so good? That she did it for everyone else. Did what? Paid the price. What, what could she have done to have cost that? What would be more great to someone in hell than having a gold dragon? I, 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 
I don't, I don't know. But what, what, what did she get in return then? She saved everyone. And Darren Dunn will sort of just stare off into the middle distance and shake his head and just mutter to himself, it wasn't worth it. Maybe not yet. And he will kind of stumble into contemplative silence giving some serious thought to that. Slowly your watch passes the light of dawn creeping through the trees. Storm lights that come just before dawn have a strange green tint to them as they filter down through the leaves above you. I spy... It's a tree. It's a fucking tree. Yeah, okay. It's a tree. Yeah. It was a tree. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually you all wake up. You're well rested. The second day of your travel is ahead of you. It is the ninth of so. I took notes, motherfuckers. <laughs> Good, Good God. You know what that you know what that's called? Growth. Growth. <laughs> yes. Character growth. That's read growth right there. Yeah. He's character. He's okay. Real character growth. Yeah. So as the ninth moves on, the morning begins uh, in a strange way, with Arbidon conducting a ritual of sorts. As you get out of your campsite in this thicket, you go back to where you swear the road was when you left it in the evening yesterday. And it is nowhere to be seen. It is just dense woods out here. And that would be unsettling if Arbidon's calming presence was not nearby. As he places a hand on the ground, he will reassure everyone that he'll be able to find it again. And as you watch, he will close his eyes, his nostrils will flare, and you see his three-fingered hand digging down into the soil. And those spiraling runes that are invisible until they begin to glow appear on his long horns. Say they glow blue? They glow blue and green, yeah. And they do not appear in the same like maze-like fashion as the ritualistic scarring on his body. They are these like swirling, dancing runes that you would all recognize, but not necessarily comprehend. Hmm. Uh, uh. Is it because they're the same as the? Standing stones? The standing stones and some of the stuff that's written on the inside of the pocket watch and yeah. you've seen these this this language written repeatedly. Primordial. It's believe. like a primordial and mix of Sylvan. And Sylvan yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So I'd understand part of it at least. You, you would recognize it. You wouldn't necessarily understand it. Hmm. Because, again, you have, like, spoken primordial, yeah. but not necessarily written. That's true. I don't know as if uh, <laughs> uh, Cesario ever taught you your letters. No. 
just like how to swear. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. <laughs> He he could say station? like, "Where's the bathroom?" <laughs> yeah, bathroom. And you have beautiful I like, eyes. Y- yeah, you're oh, the yeah. beautiful girl I've yeah. ever seen in my life. A couple of like, po- like short like poems or, mm-hmm. yeah. or sonnets. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hate cheese. Everything about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Ask where the bathroom is. That's I. The what girl are you seducing, or boy, or anyone are you seducing in primordy? <laughs> Those Genasi girls. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, yeah. Listen. Mm-hmm. Easy Don't breezy, knock beautiful. You... <laughs> um. Don't knock until you try. So. Listen, the fire ones are hot in more than one way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, eventually. Arbidon will open his eyes and they'll be glowing with this bright, bright green. And he will stare around for a second and then focus on a direction and point and say, That away! And after a few minutes of trekking through the woods, eventually you just kind of stumble out onto the road. Cool. Maybe only less than 100 feet away. But because of the denseness of the Eastwood, even that short of a distance, you were unable to see it from there. But once you're out onto the road, it's again like 20 feet wide, so it's a nice, easy track once you're on it. And the day moves forward. The the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery, toiling through the underbrush to get out onto the road, snaps tree branches and rips out smaller trees and just like a... <laughs> comes out like a bulldozer out onto the road. <laughs> and as you are moving, I need everyone to give me perception checks. Okay. Okay. Let's go! Not bad. That's better. Caught. Come on, come on, come on. No. It's fine. I okay. got a 12. Mm. 16. Mm-hmm. Nice solid 10. 17 for Grawl. Nice. So I think it's Tirza with the uh, with the D12 roll. Let's see what our random encounter for the day is. There's a Krispy Kreme donuts out here. It's really weird. What? Yeah. Um, it's They're hot and delicious. But very slowly, if you consume too many, <laughs> cholesterol is the, the greatest evil. If uh, someone... Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go, go no, go ahead. I was just uh, on a mechanics level. If someone rolls a one, but still has a higher score than the, than another person, oh, if you, who if you, would if be you rolling? If you botched, you would have to let me know. Okay. Okay. I, I did not. I uh, rolled a six. I, I do have something for if somebody botches. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Great. Uh, Eleven. Eleven. Interesting. So, moving throughout the day, you are following the winding track, Arbor on the lead. There is a more subdued atmosphere today. There is just a, a tension as you have now truly gotten away from civilization, you're in the deep woods. The only thing to indicate that there is some form of order to this place is the road, and even that is trying to get out from underneath your feet. More and more, you'll find yourselves near the edge of the track, and 
looking down, you'll see that your feet are slowly listing towards the woods, or maybe the road itself is moving. It's difficult to tell, and it's very, very disorienting. Arbidon's recommendation is just to keep the eyes, keep your eyes on the person in front of you. And as long as the person in the lead is following Arbidon, you'll do just fine. Okay. We'll lash ourselves together. But yeah, even as you're walking, it feels as though the road is trying to slip out from beneath your feet. As you are moving, Sid, you are the first to notice. Mm-hmm. Ahead of you in the road, there is what looks like a figure hanging from a low branch of a tree, just dangling limply over the road. Uh, I tap Arbidon on the shoulder and point out the figure. And Arbidon calls a halt and points up at it with his axe and glances around. He is wary suddenly. <laughs> I spy with my little eye. Something creepy. I think it's a body hanging out over the road. Not a good sign. Hmm. Does it... You've noticed it, this from about 60 feet away. Does it look like it is a body? Does it? Is it moving or... It's got two arms, um, two legs, and it is dangling from what looks like a series of ropes that are holding it by its shoulders and neck and like tied around its torso like ropes or vines tough to tell from this distance Arbidon, have you is this have you seen anything like this before no it's comforting it's probably nothing then is there anybody like I as well as I can like does it look like I can see anybody in the brush at all? Give me an investigation check. I will also... I'd also like to do that. Uh, my sword and shield are also both out. Okay. Yeah, I definitely have my sword out. Uh, 18 for Sid. Mm. What do we got, Tirza? Oh, that's good. Uh, oh, no, also 18 for Tirza. Okay. Mm, nice. As the two of you crowd up towards Arbadon, the rest of the party sort of clumping together a little bit on the road, the two of you glance out into the woods to either side of the road, and you can see more of these figures dangling among the branches of trees oh, to the bad. left and to the right of the track. There are probably six of them in total. Two to the no. left, one in the center of the road, and three to the right. And they're not moving at all? They will twist very gently as a breeze will roll across the trees. Suspended like strange, grisly marionettes. 
I... I don't think we have any choice but to keep going. I... This doesn't seem like a very defendable place to be. No. Mm -mm. Maybe we should walk in sort of a defense position. And everyone sort of nods and agrees and begins to clump up a little bit. Squishy casters in the middle. Yeah, I'm definitely... I'm definitely kind of, like, crowding against this long-forgotten Hank Montgomery. <laughs> kind of subconsciously very much like Talila with George, actually. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I will ride up so that I'm kind of uh, boxing in Cherish, and if Grawl is not attempting to be on the outskirts, I will try to like box in Grawl in that in kind of a uh, perpendicular line with like long forgotten Hank and uh, Carrie. I'll um, Grawl get out his great sword and uh, prep a defensive stance alongside. Uh, someone, just anyone that's generally smaller. Okay. Canaeus. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's cool with that. I don't know if yeah, he sure. To... He has pulled out his longbow and has uh, knocked an arrow. Cool. I'm gonna bonus action separate the swords. Okay. Yeah. And you all begin shuffling forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Darren Dunn has sort of like uh, cuffed up his jacket a little bit, revealing his a little bit of forearm and freeing up his hands a little bit. Etsuko has clutching her big book to her chest. And you see Arbidon pulling out his big great axe as you all begin shuffling forward and begin approaching this figure. You all see the one in the center of the road, and as you get closer and closer, you can see that the tendrils that are holding this thing up are in fact vines of some kind. They're green and thick and ropey. And they are wrapped in and around this thing's chest and arms and neck and head so that it's dangling with its elbows held up and its arms hanging down. And as you get within 30 feet, you can clearly see that the vines not only wrap around this thing's body, but go into it and weave in and out in between bones and come out through the flesh and go into the mouth and come out the eyes. I was really hoping that wasn't going to be the case. And it's still drifting listlessly in a breeze as you get closer, 30 feet now, shuffling forward. Um, I'd like to use uh, Eldritch Sight on this. Use Eldritch Sight? Mm-hmm. Okay. Glancing around within 30 feet, you see that this... There's no magic besides the stuff everybody's carrying. Um, mm -hmm. You can see that Etsuko's book is incredibly magical. Uh, Arbidon has some kind of very magical thing in his uh, bandolier, but his axe is apparently not magical. Um, okay. You can see that... Canaeus's teapot is very, very magical. Party. Party. 
And yeah, other than that, there's just like the normal magical items that people have. The okay. body does not appear to be magical, at least not nor, apparently. Nor the vines. Nope. Okay. You'll shuffle forward, getting closer. 20 feet mm -hmm. now, 15 feet. And as you get within 10 feet of it, the body will twitch as a breeze picks up and it will list slowly and above you its feet dangling five feet now you're underneath it slowly shuffling the wind is warm and sweet carrying some heady flowery scent from deeper in the woods And you're moving past it now. Five feet. Ten feet. Fifteen feet. It's twisting limply in the wind. Its back is now to you. Twenty feet. Thirty feet. You're slowly pulling away from these strange hanging bodies. Forty, fifty, sixty feet now. Arbidon is continually glancing backwards at these things. Canaeus is, in fact, walking backwards, keeping an eye on them. Yeah, I think I wheel carry around to just kind of, like, keep an eye as well. And yeah, you're pulling away 70, 80 feet now. Well, that was deeply unsettling. unsettling. Yeah. And that's when Swap Thing attacks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Oh. Yeah, you're pulling away now. More than 100 mm. feet. You're beginning to lose sight of these things as the road twists slightly. Yep. There's a nervous mm. silence that everyone is fallen into yeah I think I think once we get out of sight Tirza will kind of like pull off and go back to the front but that was creepy and weird and Arbidon will definitely say as much as soon as people begin letting out breaths of just like I have no <sighs> idea what that was God. But I am not about it. No. Yeah. I realized I might have used my divine sense, but I was too nervous at the time and to do anything say, except. I used mine, didn't sense anything. Oh. It wasn't magical at all. Double paladin. Was... Some kind of. Wasn't a fiend, fey, or wasn't nothing. Looked just like a body. Uh, okay. Cherish, did you want to say something? No, no, this was out of character. Um, oh, no, okay. But if Canaeus isn't going to say anything else about anything he might have picked Yeah, why I'm would sure. you bring why? it up? I'm not going to. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. Mm. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I mean, he already knew that, you know, Darren Dunn was a dragon. and That's true. <laughs> He's cool. He's good he's people. Cool. He's, 
not just going to out somebody like some Yahoo's in a shop outing somebody about being a dragon. I, I thought everyone knew. In situation, he was about to turn into one. <laughs> if, if we, listen, I'm not saying it was okay, but like something had to happen so that we didn't all fucking die. I'm just saying Kanaeus is more chill than that. Yes, and I agree. We, we all know who the chill paladin in this <laughs> adventuring party is. It's Grawl, obviously. Hell yeah. That happened in the, the late morning. So, by the time you're approaching noon in your second day of travel, nerves have sort of calmed a little bit as you're stopping for a lunch break, and people are just like, well, that was some fucked up shit. Mm. And, yeah. Arbidon will even say, I've been to hell and that was messed up. <laughs> I was once on a uh, on like a hillside made of toenails. That was fucking gross. But that yeah, was that was more messed up than that. Hillside made of toenails? Yeah, it was awful. That it was, was terrible. In hell? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> on second thought, let's not go to hell. <laughs> I, I was just I was place. just about to say a silly place. <laughs> I was just about to say I definitely don't don't want to go there destroy the person who came up with the toenail hill mm. or erase them from existence. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is there anything else discussions or otherwise anyone would like to have on their second day of travel? I think that I mean I think I'm just going to keep my eyes open. I think I'm the the whole body thing was fairly unsettling. Okay. Keeping your eyes yeah. open. Uh just being hyper vigilant around. Yeah. All right. Roll me a perception check. Not that vigilant. Uh 15. Yeah, I mean, it's, the forest sounds are abound. There are birds flitting through the skies. There are animals moving in the underbrush. You see a deer. Ooh. Whoa. No night pigs? Day pigs? Daytime. No. No night, oh, yeah, no night pigs in the day. How foolish of me. Day pig didn't, doesn't fight every day to keep the night pigs away for you to forget about it. <laughs> So, yeah, any other conversations you would to have? Any information you wish to glean from your compatriots as you move? So, uh, Etsuko, how, 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 how are you? How are you do, doing up here with, with your book? Got a nice oh, book. Jesus. Like, uh, I'm a book enthusiast myself. A junkie it's, over here. It's a shame <laughs> somebody stabbed it. Right, know. yeah. No, I, I've read a few books yeah. in my time. Yeah, it's always my sword. Mostly with my sword. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, it is a very nice book, Grawl. You mm -hmm. also have a very nice sword that is a, a big, excellent sword that you have. Yes. Thank, thank, what if thank she you. wants to also eat his sword? <laughs> the reverse, <Forbidden>. Grawl. <laughs> Not all blades are made of steel. Oh. So you're saying she has a sharp wit. I'll be leaving on that joke. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
something Good something written. pen is mightier yeah, than the yeah. sword something something no 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 that's not true that's not true and <laughs> Fair enough. she's like walking along in companionable silence and then says those runes on your sword are very interesting mm -hmm. can you can you read them at all i'm just curious uh, i can it's read knowledgeable. some of them yes Mm -hmm. Some are in a language I do not recognize, but uh, oh, okay. there is that one there in Infernal, and uh, that, that, that one there is written in Abyssal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do not recognize the ones closer to the hilt, unfortunately. Uh, um, they're uh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's oh. a cool sanity die. <laughs> yeah. No, don't make her do that. <laughs> um, yeah, um, well, uh, you know, warlocky shenanigans. Oh, you are a, a warlock as well? Uh, yes, uh, this is, um, I guess this is, is, this is my patron, say hello, and I do like a little puppet kind of thing with the sword, like, as if it was a soft puppet kind of thing. Oh, hello, hello, hi, I'm, yeah. And Etsuko goes, ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I look back at all of my, like, my... Oh my, my god, my party she members, liked like, that? <laughs> yeah, all of us, like, just, oh god. Unbelievable. <sighs> and she will say, My patron is not here to uh, dance about, unfortunately. Otherwise, oh, okay. I, I, I would do something similar. Fair enough. No, that's good. But I, uh, um, th they did give me this book, and she'll lift up her big book. It's a very nice book. It's got an admirable heft to it. Yes, yes, yes. Bindings, uh, very nice. Yeah, uh, it's made of, yes, very fine uh, glue. I'm told it is nearly unbreakable. I'm not going to make a comment on that at all. going to make any sort of stabby joke or anything like that so. but i i yeah, you, yeah. Your, your your patron is the sword then i am a you know well <laughs> hmm. yes and no ah yes it I see. confounds me a little bit no i i that. am in a very similar position um hmm. my patron is is the book, but it is not the book. Yes, right. yes. A manifestation of yes, yes, yes. Precisely, yes. Thank you. You are the first person to understand that. Right, understand. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, it is Thank most you. of the time I tell people that the, the book gives me powers, and they think that I am writing the book, but I am not the one writing the book because the book is simply here and it writes itself, and I gain powers from it, as the Gloam Weaver writes within the book. The Gloam Weaver, that's a very... Yes, cool I'm sure your patron has a, a name as well, though if you do not yeah. wish to share it, that is uh, fine. Yeah, he, he's not big on names. They are not even big on names. Well, I don't even think the Gloam Weaver is the true name of my patron. That is oh. simply what I've been calling them. It was a cool name. I like it. I thought um, it had a bit of a flair. Yes. Uh, um, uh, a friend of mine also liked to write in books too. Uh, oh yes. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if he did any of the writing. I pull out the little journal out of my like breast pocket. Mm-hmm. Like show off Finebrook's little journal kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> Some kind of day planner. Yes. I I he might have some sort of kind of similar relationship with his... Was he a warlock as well? I, you know, he doesn't like to talk about it too much. Mm, um, yes, I understand. He likes to talk about other things. Very oh. needy. I see. Well, um, you, um... Yes, I, it's, um... Have a good walk. Yes, mm-hmm. I will, we, are, if, if we will continue walking as we, yes... Swords or books, books or, yes, in or uh, swords, yes. yes. Um, right, I'll, I'll, I'll be, in, I'll be back, I'll be back there. It, good, good work. Was I'm, I'm proud of you. Anyway, bye. Very appropriately timed by Maggie. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. <laughs> we, we, our show is a laugh track. This is- <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you, Maggie. <laughs> give Grawl a thumbs up. Uh, uh. I don't know how I'm going to break the news to the sheriff or or the the beautiful cat lady, but I, I have to break and... up with them. <laughs> I have to break up with them. You don't know their names. You don't even know their names. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're at the front of the group. You're not here. <laughs> Grawl is talking to the long-forgotten Hank Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even the long-forgotten Montgomery is sweating. (laughs) (laughs) Very awkward. The uncomfortable energy. I would well. Any other conversations you wish to have upon your second day of travel? I'll take that as a no. I'm just so blown away by what just (laughs) happened. Yeah, Yeah. The rest of the day follows in companionable silence. Um, People are still a little put off by the events of the strange vine danglers. And as you are continuing throughout the day, you can't help but continually glance upwards nervously, looking for some other body hanging from the trees. Occasionally you'll see some fallen branch or something twisted in the boughs that, from a distance is the shape of like a body as its shadow is cast across different branches. And then you'll get close to it and see that it will resolve into a bunch of different pieces that from the right angle looked off putting and wrong, but it's just your nerves kind of getting to you. When you're winding down for the evening, you're faced with many of the same choices that you did before, uh, whether to find some kind of thicker piece of, concealment or stick closer to the road. Arbidon says, like, from here on out, it's only going to get harder to find the road every single day. Uh, He's still very, very confident in finding it, um, Mm -hmm. but it just, it starts to move a lot more the deeper into the woods you get. Yeah, and I don't know that, like, right, like, what's the point of sticking by the road if it's not going to be there in the morning? I think we should just find some place that's, like, good to where we're not exposed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you find some deeper cops of trees. There is a, a rocky crag sticking out from between two larger trees, and it has kind of an overhang. It's not quite a cave, but it's more of a lean-to sort of scenario, where uh, a, a boulder has clearly been flipped up by some titanic struggle 
years and years and years ago, and now dirt and moss have grown over it, and it's sort of leaning on a much larger tree, but it provides a fair bit of cover. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as you are settling down in much the same way, there's probably a little less space for hammocks tonight, so it might be a, a tent time to set up when you're beneath the trees. You can see that other people are setting out bedrolls beneath this little lean, leaning of rock. Again, Canaeus is setting up their small cooking fire and teapot. Uh, this night, producing from his pack, seemingly by magic, uh, you're not quite sure where he was hiding this, but Canaeus will produce a, a small harp and begin to play as people have their, their food. It's just like little plinking melodies that he'll strum along to that echo out Ooh. through the woods. All right. Nice. It is very calming. Ooh. Sid, finally someone who'll be willing to teach you an instrument. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't feel confident in that. Etsko reproduces her little, like, bed garden again, but this time it aligns itself more with cave fauna, I guess. The mm. the spider webs that appeared to produce the, the ceiling now have more of, like, a, a fungal quality to them, like some kind of weird organic webbing that appears above the space. The bottom is more mushroomy as it grows out with moss and... Uh, funguses that will create bedding for her. Aww. Yeah, thank you. Watch uh, pairings and order going to be the same? I don't know. What do you guys Carl? think? I, I chose first last time, so y'all, if you want to have conversations, go for it. First come, first serve, go. Podcast take... time. I'll take Dare. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's a heavy uh, choice. I'll I do it. Let's go. Okay. Damn it. I'll do uh, Arbidon. Yeah, yeah. That's why. No, you actually, can... I actually wanted go to for... do Canaeus. No, I wanted to do Canaeus actually. So this works out just fine. All right. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Darren is with Sid. Etsuko is with Cherish. Uh, Arbidon is with Tirza, and Canaeus is with Grawl. Yes? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll stick with the same watch order as always, but I need everyone to give me perception checks with advantage because you have help. Perception! Friends! Perception! Really not great. Oh, nice. Really not good. Oh, nice. I'm surrounded by friends. <laughs> so many friends. Okay. You do, yeah. It would be cool to watch you save face right now because you have lots of allies. Yeah. Well, I, it's only up to five. So. It's true. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Sid so got cool. twenty-three. Mm. What else we got? Cherish. I got a nat twenty. Ooh. Nat 20. Boom. Uh, I got a sixteen. Um, I got a 12. Very nice. So, right. Grawl, roll me that d12. Let's see what shows up in the night. Uh, 
cheerleader bus crashes. <laughs> it's a seven. Seven. Interesting. Okay. Oh no. It's magically it's a bus full of cheerleaders on their way to a competition and it breaks down right next to it. Weird. Why was that on the table, Mike? <laughs> you are going to die. No. Um <laughs> we all are. We all are, Mike. No, everyone else is fine. It's so weird. Just scroll. <laughs> Rock Just falls. Scroll. Yeah. Rock falls kills Grawl. <laughs> I'm punching the rock repeatedly. So, first watch of the evening is Darren Dunn and Sid. Mm-hmm. Like it's a like quite quite a bit of it is sort of like a awkward silence and Darren Dunn is kind of just like nodding to himself like he's about to say something but never actually does hmm. can see he's still fidgeting with that uh, that small onyx figurine of a donkey occasionally that- he'll get up and move over and pour himself a, a cup of Canaes' tea so, it's good, good tea. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good tea. You know, what, you know what kind of tea it is. Ah, uh, it's um, strong. Probably some kind of black tea. I think. Yeah. Is it Sylvan sil- silver tips? Heard uh, good things about it, Sylvan silver tips. M- maybe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. That that sounds right. <laughs> Drags on like that for two hours. Is it when you guys are drinking the tea? Is it the really long like? Yeah, yes, that, just long slurping. Mm-hmm. A little. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, uh, that, that's tea. Yeah. Mm. Um. Uh. <sighs> okay, okay. I am. Sorry that I bought that really expensive drink on your tab. Oh, no, no, you that wasn't cool. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. Well, look, I was a lot of I was buying drinks, and you you didn't know any better, so I I don't blame you. That's that's true. I did not know any better. That's I I wouldn't have drank that particular drink myself. Uh, Are you okay, by the way? I think so. That you didn't like. I don't I, remember. Didn't, like, mess with you at all, the, the lady? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I have no memory of it, so. Oh, hmm. And it's, yeah. I know what that's like. Um. Huh. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't mind. You, you did, but I, you know, probably didn't hurt anybody. I mean. I don't know. I have no idea. Hopefully not. Uh, hmm. And Stormpiercer will say, like I said, you did not actively hurt anybody with your actions. And Darren Dunn will say, oh, you, you, your sword, your sword knows. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, but my sword has a habit of, 
you know, lording uh, sort of a, a sense of superiority over, you know, me. So I am trying to teach you a lesson, Sid, about uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You I know. think it's working. Maybe we'll see. <sighs> and Darren Dunn will say, "Oh, so he's not telling you, would you?" No. Ah, all right. Yeah. No, that would be too easy. Right. Well, yeah. Look, all is forgiven with the the hundred gold thing. It's not. It's, it's pocket change for me. Yeah, like that's fine. Okay. Don't like brag about it though. (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, it was sort of like an awkward. Like he was trying to pass it off as like, "Oh, it's fine," but then it came out as like an awkward boast, and now he's just like, "Uh, "Yeah, I mean, I mean, the money's not a big deal," is what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you just lapse into awkward silence again. Mm. <laughs> and eventually, near the end of your watch, Darren Dunn will say, So, going to probably meet you dead here soon. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, that, it's... I'm sure he's going to be happy to see you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, he'll absolutely be happy to see you. I just don't know what to think about it. I don't know what I'm going to say. Hi? Maybe start with start with hi? Mm. Oh. Hello? Not that one. Stormbreaker says, Greetings! Still... Salutations. No, that's too. What ho! If you're gonna fight him, then that. Well, work. yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm not here. Sorry. Darren Dunn will say, "I think whatever you say, he'll be happy to hear it." You sure about that? Considering he's. Never spoken to you, right? Like, yeah. Because, like, I've thought about a lot of really terrible things to say. What? Uh, is why? What? What do you mean? Why? What do you mean? Where? Where... Where has he been? He's he's been a fair aims here, mate. Like, like he did, knew, you, he did knew your mom about not me, tell right? you that? No, no, 
Remember we had this conversation when you were drunk? Probably don't remember. No, I'm sorry. I was drunk. Nobody has nobody has told me anything. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know why they're no, they stopped being together. I don't. I don't know. And right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shit. I, I'm I'm sure he's got a. I'm sure if you just ask him, he'll. Did he ever try and look for me? Did he ever try and find me? Did he ever talk about me? Sid, honestly, any answer I give you, you're probably not going to like, because a lot of them involve me not really paying attention because I was drinking myself to death. I don't know if he ever went and looked for you. I don't know if... I don't think he ever even knew your name, mate. If he did, he never said it. <laughs> it's ironic. What? Being... What my name is, so... And that's why I think there's a lot more to this story than I certainly know. Definitely more than both of us know, yeah? It's just, I, I have a lot of really, really strong feelings about the whole situation in general. I'm, I think it's a bit of an understatement to say that I'm not his biggest fan and yet it's frustrating that it's me who is the one who is going to find him. Well, as far as excuses go, like, weird giant magic bubble trap in your city is a pretty good one. Well, has it been like that for the last, oh, I don't know, ten years? No, no. Yeah? It hasn't. So, I, I, don't, I don't know, Sid. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. You're going to have to ask him. Because God knows probably none of your friends are going to go, Hey, Sid's got all these questions about why you never came and saw me, so maybe you could tell me and I'll go tell him, yeah? Yeah. Aaron Dunn, you don't know Sid's friends very well. <laughs> no, I'm I'm going to ask him. I'm just... Deciding on how I would like to do that. Yeah. L look, I'm... I'm not saying you can't be angry at him. God's no, you can. Because, yeah, he didn't... He wasn't there for you, and that fucking sucks. Yeah? So... You can be angry, but... Maybe you can also hear his side of the story first. I just want to hear any side of the story at this point. Well, Even if it's his. And Darren Dunn will sort of just like purse his lips and nod and lapse back into silence. Unsure of what to say. Yeah. 
And the rest of your watch passes uneventfully. Cherish. Yes. Etsuko is up with you during your watch. Into the the wee hours of the morning. And she sits reading her book in some semi-darkness. It is pretty, pretty dark under this mossy rock. So how she's able to read, you're a little unsure, but you're probably I mean, guessing. I'm assuming she has dark vision. Dark vision of some kind, yeah. Just something I really wanted to talk to her yeah. about. It just Okay. Then yeah, you're just watching. wanted to take it away from Grawl. <laughs> you monster. No, I just I have never been slighted so in my life. And no, actually I did I did wanna like Uh I'm just after watching whatever it was that happened earlier today. Um <laughs> Which one? Uh, I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable at the the queen servant. I uh, I come on a little strong sometimes, you know. Ah, uh, yes. Um, no. I mean, you uh, you were, you were fine. I I I can. I'm the one who is uh, should apologize. I am not good at. People. I'm not good at talking, and into, uh, I I have been very used to being alone for a great many years. Yeah, I uh, I definitely am not as um, chattery as I used to be, but uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I don't always know when to shut up. <laughs> Yes. And she will awkwardly look back down at her book. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. Because clearly she's, I don't know, at least straight. <laughs> Maybe. Or just very, very polite. And yeah, your watch passes uneventfully. Occasionally there'll be some small sound out in the woodlands and the two of you will look up and glance around, but there'll be nothing. Um, at a certain point in the night, you will see her practicing hand gestures and little uh, sigils of green-purple magic will appear just above her palm every time she will like make a gesture with her hand and close it again and then open it again. She seems to be practicing somatic components. Hmm. And then, yeah, you pass your watch off to Tirza. Tirza, you have your watch with Arbidon. Mm -hmm. Arbidon is kind of like sitting up on top of the rock, sharpening his axe, kind of glancing out in the woodlands. Who's dangling to hang above the, the lean where people are camped out? Um, I also don't know if I had a particular conversation I wanted to have with Arbidon. I just like the dude. 
Yeah. He's just cool. Fair enough. At a certain point, um, he would definitely ask, like, so, uh, where'd you get the big glowy deer? Uh, oh, she is, um, from a weird, starry, glowy plane, and I just, I sing to her, and she comes oh, cool. I weird paladin nonsense, right? Like the mouth foaming buffness, the extra buffness. Oh, is that what you do? Cool. Well, that's, that's what you did. Oh. The... Yeah, but I'm not a paladin. No, I know, but I, I just mean that's that's like what, yeah. Yes, that is what I do. So you, you do the, the buff <laughs> foamy... No, I, I mean, yes, I am also very buff, but I don't... Yeah, uh, yeah divine magic, that's what I do. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. I don't really either. It just happens a lot of the time. Hmm. Okay. Sweet. And he'll continue to sharpen his axe. Yeah, hell yeah. It's fine. At a certain point in the night, you'll see him pull a a small carved stone out of a pouch in his bandolier, and he'll begin, like, underhanding, tossing it up into the air, and then catching it, tossing it up into the air, and catching it. Do you want to have a catch? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. This is... <laughs> uh, Agro doesn't like being touched by anybody else. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I assumed no, that the... No, no, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. But I'm sure people walk up and like, oh, what a fine cape, and touch the hem and all that stuff. <laughs> Tirzo looks down at like Sadagar, who is all like threadbare and worn out through in places, and is like, "Yeah, uh, not as much as you might think, but mm. I don't know. Big purple cape like that, so take it, draw attention." Uh, yeah. I mean, he. I just, she just like pats pats her own shoulder like he knows when to yeah I don't... <laughs> Sadagar has like a, a smug sense of just like that's right I do stand out <laughs> then your watch passes fairly uneventfully yeah. uh, eventually you pass it off to Grawl and Kanaeus again there's that weird moment where was Kanaeus asleep? You're not quite sure. As, like, you walk over to rouse him for his watch, and he'll already be, like, blinking and stretching a little bit and stoking the fire under his teapot. Grawl? Mm hmm. We're over to you with Kanaeus? Yep. I and some tea. Yeah. All Absolutely. Right. Canaeus will clink glasses with you, say a quick, good health, good party. Amen to that. Salute to Bacchus as he clinks your tea grass. 
I don't. I'm not. I'm not familiar with Bacchus. God of parties. God of revels. God of having a good time. Big fan. Big fan. Mm. Didn't know I was a big fan, but I am definitely a big fan. <laughs> like their work. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty sweet. Um. So, like, if you've got like a really cool god like that one, mm. um, yeah, yeah, right. Um, what 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 would you do if you if you didn't have like a really cool cool god kind of like a good relationship with one of those? Uh, I don't. I, I don't. What do you mean? I don't. Oh, I, I don't. Oh, I don't know. have a god. Grawl. I, I I praise unto Bacchus. I, that's, right. That's right, a choice. I, that. I, I do yes. that. If I didn't want yes. to do that, I wouldn't do it. Then I wouldn't exactly. get all my cool party powers. But you know, right. That's where the trade-off oh, comes I, from. I, 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 I'm just I'm looking for some kind of like I don't know. You seem to know some gods kind of things. So uh, uh, yeah. I don't know that yeah. much about mm. gods. I know um, some god stuff. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's yeah. Um. I think I pissed one off. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, see see what I'm talking about. Which one? About. It was uh, Paylor, wasn't it? It's always Paylor. It's not it's not Paylor. Oh, well, good for you. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. So Sun God. I don't really easy to Sun piss God. off. Okay. Throw an umbrella um, up in the wrong place and the guy gets pissed off. Okay. Um uh, uh no, this this one sent uh, um an angel to kill kill me or take me back. Oh, take, you know, damn hardcore! Um, yeah, it was metal as fuck, yo. Hmm. Um, yet ring a bell to you at all? Nope. Well, all right then. Good talk. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, if if you just like pray. To or like you know, talk to your god. You get power powers. Well, kind of thing. Kinda. I mean, that's sort of how yeah, it works. Kinda. You you pray. You you devote yourself to a god. You uh, really believe. You follow their tenets, follow their laws, and sometimes the god's mm -hmm. gonna get you back. You spot right. them, they spot you. So, say, I didn't pick a god. Somehow the god picked me. Mm. Yeah, that happens uh, every once in a while. Yeah. What if you said no? Mm. How would you go about dealing with that? I could see how that might piss him off. Yeah. Hypothetically, of course. Wink. Right. Yes. Wink. He blinks with both <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Depends how hard of a barrel they got you over. Um, is it like, are you an avatar of this god and you'll blink out of existence if they stop believing in you? Sort of a thing. Uh, no. Oh, good, 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 good. I knew a dragonborn so. once. It was a whole thing. Right. No. Um, hmm. I don't know what hmm. happened. I uh, think he's a little hell-bent on 
kind of getting what he wants. Mm. Well, uh, so. maybe find another god who can stand up against him? Maybe? Working on it. Find a... I'm going to use a big ten gold word here. Diametrically opposed. You, whatever the god that's got a thing on for you about, find one who's a god who's the opposite of that. All right. I can work with this. This is good. Mm. This is good. Okay. Right. Or, you know, if you're real crazy, you can try to go kill the god. <laughs> Wait, what was that? I, I mean, that wasn't a real suggestion. I was kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. No. That's good, Dad. No, no it's not. Yeah. No. No. Yes. I was absolutely joking. I have, a, I have a very good idea. Oh, no, you're getting the wrong yes. ideas about these things. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I can't do that yet. I've got to save the valley, right? Why the qualifier? And then, <laughs> then I'll have a lot of free time. Oh. After. Free time's all and, it takes then. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, and theoretically, you know, being heroes, probably yeah. a lot of gold, buy some sweet items. There's a very nice large suit of armor I could probably get mm -mm. at Duskwalkers. Yes, 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 it's all coming. Then. The folding boat. <laughs> folding boat. Folding boat. What's the gun? The folding boat. I just, I like the, the idea trees. of it. Of us unfolding it in front of Maglupiet and him being like, Ah, my one week! <laughs> How does it feel in such a small package? Convenience um, and affordability? No! <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, um, you've given me a lot to think about. Lots of things to ponder and scheme. I mean, um, think about what did what what kind of tea is this, by the way? It's an old family recipe. It's Which better is... if you don't ask. Okay, <laughs> I won't ask. But supposing I was asking, just hypothetically. Elysian gold. Right, that one down. It's around sunrise, just before everyone's about to start waking up. You can see that Tears is usually the first one to come up with the sun, but it's just as the stormlights are beginning to play through the the trees above you that Grawl, you and Canaeus are taken aback by a figure appearing between two trees about 150 feet away. And they begin marching forward towards you. And Canaeus will say, I see him, as he like slowly pulls an arrow out of his quiver and fits it to a str the string on his bow. Do they look like similar to the, like, 
body that we saw, like shape-wise, like mm, person-shaped? Or... I mean, they're person-shaped, but even as they okay. approach, you can see that in the strange storm lights that are filtering down through the trees, you'll see those lights glint off of plates of shining steel. Quickly, um, what unfolds in front of you is a figure head-to-toe dressed in full plate armor that is painted with bright greens and golds. Okay. They have um, a huge shield strapped to one arm, and there's a large, heavy axe in their right hand. Uh, yeah, no. Um, how, how big is our camp? Is it, like, enough to yell at everyone? And oh, yeah, like, you're real close together. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, like sound for everyone to get up we have company Grawl and Canaeus are beginning to like speak loudly and shake people awake and you're all being roused out of your bed rolls as you're coming to you see this figure striding forward you hear the clank of armor as they're approaching the camp shunk, shunk, shunk. Their face is completely hidden by a large helm that comes down, and only bright twin emerald lights shine out from the slit in their visor. They have this huge crest that comes out of the back that is also seemingly made of metal, and some kind of fur-lined cloak comes down over their shoulders. And uh, when they're within 50 feet, they will shout, Tears a cloak bearer. Yep. My yeah. master it's... will not have your presence in his realm. Cool, cool, cool. In cool. the name of Oberon Greenvein, I challenge <sighs> thee to a duel. Oh. I have written down that Oberon doesn't care about this. So. Well. Maybe he doesn't care from a distance. Yeah. Or maybe I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> Who's to say? Uh, go back to the recording. Oberon super duper cares. Don't ever. Care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I messed that up. Um, if you remember, you will have heard that uh, Puck said that all of the Archfey in unison said they would stand against you. But individually, they had very differing opinions. Cool, that helps me out, right? <laughs> me, mm -hmm. at Imaginary Puck. Damn it. Um. In the name of Oberon, and in the name of the Archfey of the Eastwood, I challenge thee, tears a cloakbearer. Can I, like, put my armor on first? As you struggle out of your tent and stare <laughs> at this like burning the sleeve from your eyes. And he'll say What I have Oh yes, I will wait <laughs> for the duel must commence once you I... are prepared. Um a question why why Your presence is not welcome in this realm. And so the Archfey have sent I, the Fardarig, to cast thee out! Couldn't I just leave, though? Uh, but our <laughs> duel must. You will be defeated in honorable combat. 
I don't, I don't think so, but, um, I mean, I don't want to offend anyone, especially not Puck's guy, that guy. I don't know. I haven't read Midsummer Night's Dream actually in universe, so I don't actually know that they're, they're guys together. Uh... She's just still hands up. Sid, Sid raises a hand. Yes, Sid. Uh, Tirza, if, if you don't want to fight in a duel, which is awesome, uh, would you, you know, consider a substitute? I don't know if that's how this works. I don't necessarily want to duel anyone. Well, that makes one of us now. Um... <laughs> And the armored elvish knight will turn to you, Sid, and say, You will stand as champion for this one? Oh, god damn it. I mean, Tirza, if you don't want to fight, I guess I, it's up to you. I mean, go ahead. I just was attempting to be diplomatic about whatever this was. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll be diplomatic. Now I need to get dressed. So just just a second. <laughs> and the armored knight will sigh, look down at their axe <laughs> and their like battle regalia, and say, "Did I time this wrong? Did I? Morals are usually." I mean, so we're well, we yeah, we were all asleep. Yeah. Dog. Sid quickly dons your armor and comes out to the early morning sunlight. Okay, okay. Whew, I'm just gonna do some toe touches really quick. What is your name, half-elf? Sidian Emberlight. Sidian Emberlight. You choose to act as champion for Tears of Cloakbearer? Hell yeah. So it's just like... In her PJs, like, oh my god, I hate this. Draw some more of that trash popcorn all the way out here. <laughs> Weird. Then the pact is sealed. If you are defeated, then the life of Tears of Cloakbearer is forfeit. Okay. And oh, if you stakes. emerge victorious stakes. by some happenstance. <laughs> Then your passage through this section of my lord's realm will go unhindered. Okay. Yeah, sounds fair. Sounds fair, guys, right? <laughs> it's not, um, I I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. Hell, I'd do this for free, but alright. So be it. As the archfeyers are witness, the pact is sealed. And they will oh lift up their axe and there's a shining burst of golden green energy. All right, um, I split the swords and ready a battle stance. And the figure with their massive shield and battle axe will approach and ready a battle stance as well. And as you stand ready to go, staring down this elvish lord who has challenged you to a duel, the life of your friend, the stakes of which are so high... So high. I think it is there that we are going to end tonight's episode oh. of Material Components. <laughs> because
because as always, you can find us on Twitter at MattComRPG. That's spelled M-A-T-C-O-M-R-P-G. We also have an email address, which is materialcomponentsrpg at gmail.com. Uh, please write in and place your bets. <laughs> Who is going to win? What have I done? What have I done? I, I bet right last time. Oh, I'll <laughs> some more money on this. <laughs> in one corner we have Sid Emberlight, halfling ro- half elf rogue, and in the other corner we have Far Darig of the Archfey realm. Who shall win? <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Elliot C Lewis. Um, if you're Far Dara, why aren't you red? It means red man. It's a great question. <laughs> Perhaps it'll be answered on uh, social media. I don't know. Hey, I'm at Cryout Olivia on Twitter. Come give me some sick burns to use against Elliot for being a huge fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Impressivo. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at the Readimus. Um, tweet at me, uh, warlock flirts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how to mm-hmm. how to flirt as a warlock? Mm. Make them punny. I dare you. <laughs> um, and if you want to find me on social media, um, I recommend looking. In a mirror for a long period of time and considering why why would i do that and instead rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on and when you do please include the name of an npc in the subject line and we will include that npc in the show it's true we will uh crazy. yeah it could Ooh. be could be anything. Could be anyone. Could be the real name of this elvish knight. Could be the the name of Sid's stepmom. Who knows? (laughs) Give her a terrible name. Kathy. Karen. Candy. (laughs) Oh. Candy with a K and an I. Oh, Oh, God. It's the worst of both worlds. Candy. Because you can also find me on Twitter at MKGergoni. Uh, please suggest all of your horrible, horrible stepmom names to me there. Elvish stepmom names. <laughs> Elvish stepmom names. At least a one or two apostrophes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and of course, you Ugh. can find our good, good friend Omatep always peddling that folding boat over at NPC underscore AN because. Even when he manages to avoid getting challenged to random duels in the woods, uh-huh. he is, of course, an important NPC. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this delightful nonsense we have cooked up for you all. Um, as always, the world is chaos, so please be kind to one another. Good night, everybody. Later. Good night. Peace. Good night. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Good night, goodbye. So long, farewell. Get out of here. Go. I beat his end. Go. Bye. <laughs>